fellas we're back it we're back in the saddle guns blazing <laughs> wild bills all types of tired and heated up <laughs> fresh off of having a, another member of the family thank you for coming Stay. back bill how you feel sir and congratulations Good, i don't know if we told you on the air yet thank you thank you one month today so it's been a been a wild month man <laughs> let me tell you I bet, my man. I bet. I know you're tired when you're like, you told us the time and whatever works best. You're like, we got a fucking podcast coming up. I go, well, man, <laughs> you were instrumental in picking when we're going to do this. Then, he's then, he's he, like, is like, it God Wednesday? That was on. four years ago, man. Come on. <laughs> Hanging on by a thread. And he's like, all right, what's the fucking topics of this thing? Same conversation, my friend. <laughs> all right, all right, settle down. But uh, we're here. Um, a lot's been happening, man. We have, we've had some powerlifting movement, some news. We've had some ups, some downs, and it's, it's only been a week. And, um, and we got some stuff to talk about. Maybe we'll talk about the relevance of the North American championships. What happened there with the decision of the Americans? If we back it up, um, Arian, you are super close to this story. So maybe I'll toss it to you. Kind sir. I mean, I don't know how close. I don't know what the, the, I don't know what the reasoning is beyond what they mentioned in the newsletter, which is what they said also at the yearly meeting, which is they want the guarantee from the IPF that if they nominate lifters, that those lifters will be able to compete. And so they said they never got the guarantee from the IPF, so they didn't nominate anyone for the North American Championship, which the deadline has passed. So typically, the preliminary nominations are due 60 days out, and then final nominations are due 21 days out you have to have your team and your alternates on that preliminary nominations. And all you can do for finals is, you know, move a, move an alternate lit in, remove someone from the team, switch someone's weight class, but you can't add any new lifters for NAPF. Actually, it was closer uh, or more time than normal. It was six weeks rather than eight weeks because, you know, it is, you know, with the pandemic and uh, nation are still trying to build their teams and have nationals. The USAPL's mega nationals is kind of close to the nominations. So it gave them an additional two weeks for all the countries. Um, so it was really six weeks. Um, and USAPL decided for whatever reason, beyond what they told us in the, in the newsletter, that they're not going to nominate anyone. Which is shocking because this year it was the U.S. that was hosting. Yeah. So this, in essence, wasn't even like any international travel or anything like that. It was home cooking. They were the home nation, the host nation. Um, can you remember the last time the North American Championships the host nation did not field the team. I mean, it can happen maybe a very small team or no team, just because sometimes when you run it in these other nations, they're not as big. Like for example, we were supposed to go to Cayman islands. They have very few lifters. So sometimes they don't nominate anyone or just maybe a few. Um, but I think, yeah, probably the last few years, whether it was Canada, Mexico, Panama, U S uh, U S Virgin islands, they at least had some team there. Yeah. It seems unprecedented that the U.S. would be hosting and not sending its own team. So this is why eyebrows are raised. Unless you're living in a cave, everyone knows the tensions that are going on um, and the ramifications like 
far further reaching down the road would be the IPF world championships. So if they were looking to get anybody's attention um, regarding, Hey, we're, we're not kidding around here. We need to guarantee that our lifters are going to be able to compete um, despite any kind of uh, mis disagreements going on in terms of anti-doping protocols. Um, we're, we're not, we're not fielding a team for the North American championships, even though we're hosting people started getting a little, little bit worried now. And that was a, it was so bigger than just who was going to go to the North Americans. I don't know. I know the North Americans is a big meet, it's not a mega meet, so to speak though, but the impact, what it meant for a second air, it got some people in group chats talking like, what the fuck does this mean now? And by group yeah. chats, I mean, our group chat as well, fellas. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, there was, there were some other events too, like USAPL said a while ago that they're not sending anyone for university worlds and university worlds just happened this past week. It ended up being very small. I think maybe under, under hundred lifters. I don't know if it was under 50 at the meeting. They also mentioned they're not sending anyone for Romania, which is the equipped masters, the equipped sub juniors and the equipped juniors due to the COVID and, and the coaches and stuff don't feel safe traveling over there. So they already mentioned that. But again, that could be maybe a smaller one or like, you know, outside of our group that we talked to and then boom, then APF one happens. And yeah, like everyone starts talking about like, oh, I didn't get an invite. Oh, the nominations are out. All the Canadians are saying we're going to North Americans. And so that was like the one that kind of yeah, started blowing up and then saying, okay, what's happening with classic worlds now? It, it I mean, you got to ask. And um, so, yeah, things, people started getting a little rattled and um, it, for sure, at this point in time, like moving into the summer, um, if there was some, any kind of championships or just at the beginning of summer and through a pandemic, but by fall and, uh, with vaccinations rolling out and et cetera, people are like, okay, if it's not that, and when the North American championships comes around and you're the host nation, it's definitely not that, uh, because you had us raw nationals. So it wasn't anything to do with travel or having a meet. So anyways, fast forward a little bit. And everybody's in a bit of a frenzy, those in the know anyways, those who weren't planning on traveling or, but I mean, a lot of people who, a lot of people obviously aren't going to make the team and only select fewer on 16 are going to be on the team, but a lot of people were probably going to watch and didn't know how close it came that us wasn't going to even, not that we have a team there yet. We'll talk about it in a second, but wasn't even going to attempt to send a team. They don't realize how close it felt for a hot minute there, you know, I think 99% of the powerlifting world had no idea, but the other one percenters in some group chats were like, holy shit, that just passed. I think the chances U.S. is actually even going to attempt to send any team is slim to none and slim left out. Is that a fair assessment, fellas? Were you thinking in the back of your head, holy shit? Yeah, I mean, we were on a previous episode, we we're kind of counting down the days like, oh, you know, we got 40 days left. Oh, we got 30 days left. Uh, now we're down to uh, 11 days, but that's kind of what the feeling was. Yeah. Right. You're not in your head. What were you thinking, sir? I was a little bit shocked when no, no team was put forward for NAPFs at all. Um, and up until that point, I thought like, yeah, of course, uh, of course, they're going to nominate a team, like whether or not they end up sending that team is like maybe a different thing. Um, but then NAPF, nominations rolled around and there was no American lifters on it and uh or no no US lifters on it um and then I was like oh maybe it's maybe it's not as sure as I thought that they're actually going to submit a team even um yeah 
And then, uh, Bill, what were you thinking, sir? Were you starting to get a little, a little worried yourself? Because you and Arian are also, for anyone not doesn't know, head coaches of the U.S. national team or coaches of it. Yeah, I mean, worry. I mean, worried is a good word. I mean, until we're actually in Sweden and I see the first lifter lift, then I will believe it. Because, I mean, there's just so much doubt around this. I mean, like, the whole NAPF thing makes no sense to me. I mean, you know who the president of the NAPF is, right? Larry. Yeah, the president of the USAPL, who protects his lifters there, is also the same one who didn't protect his federation in the NAPF by sending, you know, 100-plus lifters or whatever to that meet. So, I mean, who who knows what's going to happen with this? Like, it's it's crazy. But, um, yeah, no, I am happy that they're starting to at least go forward with the facade of putting, you know, nominations together. And we'll see how, how close that gets. And when we get to that, what is it, 21 days out, Arian, when final ones? No. Finals, yeah, it's 21 days out. Is it yeah. 21? Yeah. Oh, final. Sorry. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I'll buy my plane ticket on that day. <laughs> when you say facade, are, are you do you say it's because you're not, you're not sold this thing's actually – going through like why do you use that yeah for sure i mean based off of the email that you know larry the president of usapl sent out to all the members it was very vague and very it it wasn't like all right here we go we're sending a team to worlds it was more like we're gonna nominate some lifters in hopes that the ipf cooperates with us basically is what he said it's tough it's a tough situation um it's a complicated situation as well. It's a, as, as a, I mean, without getting too into the details, um, I mean, I think most people know, but it's not as, so essentially IPF is water wants to be water compliant to be IOC um, recognized. And it's not, we were kind of talking about it before we started recording. It's not just for getting in the Olympics, but there's a lot of other caveats involved with it. Like being a part of the world games, um, there's a lot of other organizations that come with it and a lot of nations, not particularly the U S but other nations get funding and sponsorships from the government through IOC recognition. If your sport is IOC recognized and whatnot and through WADA, et cetera. Um, so that's part of their mandate. It just is what it is. They're not budging from it and they see a great deal of benefit and they're onlining a lot of new nations constantly through their association of being IOC recognized. Some nations in Asia and Europe, are you IC recognized? The government wants to know that. Then anyone starting up a federation in certain pockets of the world, like Asia, are going to start coming on due to that. And it helps the sport grow like that. And that's part of their mandate is growing it to other nations. That is neither here nor there for the USAPL, right? Fair. <laughs> they're like, gotcha. But uh, that's great. Malaysia's coming on. China's coming on. But they're like, you know. Um, but that is part of what IPF's trying to do. And then um, USAPL is like, we don't. Essentially, that's not what our mandate is, is WADA, IOC recognition. We don't necessarily have our values in that. So without saying who's right and wrong, right, you know, it's never that clear, but both directions are are going opposite. So now we're in a sticky situation where um, the IPF can lose their tier recognition if if their members aren't WADA compliant. And then, um, well, here we are. (laughs) It becomes one of those take our lifters and look the other way until world is over. And, uh, and then we'll try to deal with this. But then it's like, it's not necessarily, IPF could be like, 
Not really up to me though, my friend. And if we drop the ball hundreds of thousands of dollars up to like lawyers and everything we've done to get to the tier we're at for recognition and all the onboarding, like it's bad. It's worse than a little bad. So it's not just, you know, let them lift, look the other way. If it finds out, if WADA IOC is like, you have non-compliant members and you know about it. And it's very out in the open now, <laughs> right? This thing is very not closed doors. There, then it'll be like, what did you do? We have to drop you a tear. And it's, uh, you know, it's not good. It's hard. It's very, very difficult. It's very, very, it's more complex. I think than some people think it is right. Um, so that is kind of where we're at. What it means long-term, it looks like two ships going in different directions, honestly. It looks like they got two different visions. That's fine. You know, I got, that, that's totally fine. But uh, what does it mean for this world? When is the uh, diverging happen, so to speak? And that's where all these U.S. national champions are like, you know, I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts about all that? What I just said. Yeah, I was just going to add on to what, what Bill is saying was to, to read from the newsletter uh, what it said, which is they mentioned in the hopes that the IPF will respond favorably, we will begin the process of putting together the preliminary nominations. And then it says it's important that the athletes in question be aware that while we are starting a process, it may happen that the IPF does not allow our athletes to compete. So just to let everyone know and the lifters low that, yeah, they're, we are going forward the process. I already sent out the email, I think, four days ago. And it's due by the 18th, whether they want to express their interest or not, um, that they're going forward the process. But like Bill said, we'll see if the preliminary nominations are sent in and then we'll see if we go forward the final nominations and what happens along the way. I mean, this I is basically just a giant game of chicken, right? With these, with the two federations, basically. Right. It's sort like, yeah, we're basically, yeah, I mean, it really yeah. is right. I mean, we're, we're, they're both waiting for the other one to blink and say, yes, we're coming for sure. Or no, you can't come kind of thing. And then we'll just blame everything on the other person. It, well, here's the thing. Yep. Right? I mean, it's basically what's happening. Sorry. Yeah, no, that's, that's, no, that's that's right. And and I have to say that the as an outsider, it looks like the USAPL is doing that in quite bad faith as well, right? Like they're saying, IPF, you must do these things, which like you must make this promise to us, which the IPF is like not in a position to do. Um and then behind closed doors, but behind closed doors, like, you know, in the newsletters and stuff that they're sending out, they're, they're making it sound like all of the, all of the weight of this decision falls on purely on the shoulders of the IPF leadership, which is not at all the case, right? Like there's definitely, uh, there's definitely compromises that could be made between the USAPL and the IPF that would, that would satisfy both parties, at least to an extent. Um, and some of that, that the weight of those decisions rests on the USAPL. Some of it definitely rests on the IPF as well. And some of it rests on the IOC and, and, and wider as well. Um, and, and, but the way that it's being framed with these newsletters and like relatively inflammatory Instagram posts and things like that makes it sound like the IPF is this big bad guy um, who, who is going to vindictively stop USAPL lifters from lifting, which is not, not really what's happening at all. No, it's, it's literally like, we have to be, we have to be water compliant for this, for the IOC recognition. This is the direction we're moving in period. We are. And another thing is like to let people know, like this didn't happen like three months ago. And like, this is the first time anyone's heard of this. Like this has been going on for years. I mean, like the, what was it? 2019 I was in Lombard, Arian. Right. I yeah. mean, the, the meeting there was basically the, the national government body meeting there was, you know, 90% about this exact topic 
you know, two over two years ago. So like this has been going on and there's been no resolution whatsoever. And eventually it's going to come to a head where it's either comply or you're done. Right. There's, there's no middle ground. Maybe this year there's still, you know, up in the air and, you know, stuff is in courts or who knows what, what's going on. You know, kind of there's lawsuits back and forth all over the place from, you know, what you hear Larry say. So, um, you know, maybe we slide by this year and then this is it. This might be the last one for the USAPL or IPF says, screw it. You guys can do whatever you want. You're in, you're in fine. No problem. Well, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I'm just saying like, yeah, yeah, you can't. You can't. Um, yeah. And I think it's good that for people to have got perspective when I explained earlier, why the IPF can't, why can't just be like, just let them lift. It's literally like every nation that onboarded in good faith, your IOC recognize all their whole freaking setup could be help funded based off of that in certain, in certain countries. And um, everything they have set up from the competitions, world games, to all the different deals they're making with the Olympic channel and everything they have, it just isn't just, is, is hinging on this. So you don't just, just let them lift. If they get called to the carpet on this, it, it's, it's not that it's, you just, you fucked up beyond all fuck ups um, for 16 lifters. Like I feel bad for those 16 lifters. Don't kid me, but you can't like, you're like, you have like a however many nations they have involved in the IPF. It's even more than the people who show up at Worlds. It's not even just about Worlds. Some of these nations started up because of this, right? And they got funding from their governments instead of the, everything's hinging on this. You can't change your mandate after the fact for one nation or just look the other side and, and possibly have that up, um, you know, for disciplinary actions against the IPF. Because of that one nation, 16 lifters, you're going to be like, God, I mean, you guys are putting, you're putting it all on me, you're putting all the weight on me, knowing you're not, you're not going according to what we asked you to for years, knowing you're not, and you're saying, fuck it, we're not going to, what are you going to do about it? Here's our nominations, let them lift or you're a bad guy. It's like, but we've been telling you for years, man, <laughs> like you, you're making me risk everything or else it's all on me. That's what I think Ari the IPF is like. Ariane, do you know when, uh, the IPF became a wider signatory? I don't know, no. It's been a, I believe it's been a minute now in Canada. It's, it's been for a long time from what I can remember. I can't even remember them, uh, the Canadian arm of the IPF not um, going back. Are you looking this up right now, Rory? Yeah, cool. I'll keep chatting. What are you thinking, I'm, I'm, Aaron? I'm, I'm not sure where he can find it, like what year it happened, um, because I'm sure on the website would just say that IPF is a water signatory. But the, the other thing I was going to mention, too, I mean, I, I hear lots of different things from lots of different people about how this could play out and stuff like that. And it's a little bit confusing going through the Constitution and seeing how it can go. But I think one of the things is that um, I don't think Gaston can give any kind of guarantee because he's not the one who makes the decision. There's different committees. And so I believe it first goes to the doping hearing panel. And if you go on the website and look at the members, you probably would never heard of any of them because they're not like lifters or anything like that. And so the doping hearing panel will take the case and, and see what's going on, what's, what rules are being broken, um, and what, uh, what could they say as far as a punishment or suspension or whatever. And that goes to the anti-doping commission. And I believe the anti-doping commissions then will look at it and look at the recommendation and they'll make the decision. 
the, the interesting thing is that Larry is on the anti-doping commission. So I don't know if he's still part of that and if he's going to be involved in that process or how it's going to play, but those committees work independent of the IPF president. Um, so as far as the timeline and, and what would happen, stuff like that, I don't know if Gaston would know in advance, if he can, you know, hold it off until let's say January 1st of next year, or if they say, Hey, no, you're, you're conflict of interest. You can't be in charge of this. We have to do it all. And that's why he can't do anything. See, I like that. No conflict of interest when you do things that way, huh? <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'm not getting into it, but uh, no, you're right. You're 100% right. It isn't, it isn't even um, hands are going to get forced in certain situations here and it will be totally out of their hands. Um, so it's not even just the way it's simply being framed sometimes on social media. And then some people are like, I don't think they have the full story. I don't think they totally understand what could be happening right, right now. Uh, I mean, nobody has, we didn't know. No, there's, there's like three people who have the full story about this, right? Like we don't have the full story. We just enough. know what we've heard and read and this and that, but like, you know, you know, Larry and Gaston might not even have the full story. Who, who knows, man? Like that's the whole thing with this, with these kind of things is like, it's, it's, there's so many moving parts to this and all people want to do is just bitch about it on the internet and on podcasts and that kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> but like, I don't know. It, it, it's really, really, really a tough spot for both the IPF and the USAPL because they both think they're in the right. They both think they're a hundred percent in the right. And there's, I just, I don't see how this is going to mesh and actually work for the long term. You know, like I said, maybe, yeah. maybe for the rest of this year, you know, because of things being held up, like Arian said, um, and decisions having to be made fine. But like, I think the writing's on the wall and this thing is just done with if, very, if very soon. If you're part of a, a international global body and your vision doesn't align with them, that's it. It's not a right or wrong. It's not, a, I'm a bad guy. You're a bad guy. Or, or there, there isn't even a bad guy involved. It's just our visions don't align. They, maybe they once did, you know, back in the day when they first came together, but now they don't. And um, in our relationship, it's going to hurt each other actually, you know, or it's, it's great when the world comes around and, you know, the USCPL people show up and the whole nine, but I'm sure the stress leading into it is fucking phenomenal right <laughs> behind the scenes. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to come, it's going to have to come to a head at a certain point. Um, the fact that they've made it this far just means how hard both parties are trying to make it work. Like nobody's not trying to make it work. The fact that we've come this far and it's still together means both parties are bending over backwards, doing what they can to make it work. Because when I said the IPS position, Larry also has all of his people who are like, and, and this would be within US, so different states, not different countries, applying pressure being like, this is what we said before. This is our mandate. This is our mission. And this is, we can't bend to this though. And you're representing us. So what are we doing here? So then he's like, fuck, well, you know, <laughs> but we also want to go to worlds. So <laughs> it's like, well, let's try to make this work as long as we can until we can't anymore. And eventually it feels like this is going to come to a head, but um, I don't know. So and for what it's worth, it looks like the IPF became a wider signatory in about 2009 or 2010. So like, yeah. There's, this has been coming for like 11 or 12 years. And in fact, the first thing that came up when I Googled when did the IPF become a wider signatory was an article from the beginning of 2018 explaining that the USAPL might be leaving international powerlifting um, because of this exact problem. So like this is, 
just a recent boil up in what has been like a very long running problem. That's it, man. It's 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 like you either become water compliant or we got to part ways more than likely. It's it's actually miraculous that they this hasn't come to a head sooner. <laughs> it's actually pretty pretty astounding that they've been not water compliant for 12 years and this is still going like this. Although I guess they're like semi half in half out at times and maybe there's been you know, again, that storyline is more complex, so I shouldn't even say that. They've probably been a little water compliant here and there, or met certain criteria, so I shouldn't say they haven't the whole time. That's Well, uh, they've never been because they use, we use our own testing, right? Which is not a lot of compliant, from what I understand. But they also did certain, they did allow, like... Mm-hmm. They put their, their lifters into the water program. That no, totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With, the, with yeah. the Adams list and all that stuff for sure. Yeah. But doing your own at home testing or your buddy system testing is not water compliant. For sure. So yeah. since the inception of the USAPL and all the, you know, the drug free powerlifting that we're doing, we've not been water compliant because of that. Yeah. I think the only reason why they, they we made it this far is they're like, They've been fielding a team and putting them in the, you know, whereabouts. Yeah. I mean, there's been concessions. It hasn't been, and they did. Yeah. Anyways, we don't have to revisit that whole thing, but um, if anybody needed an update, what's going on here and why is this thing so complicated? And to Bill's point, I am sure the stress that Larry has on him and the stress that um, Gaston and IPF as a whole, it's not just Gaston, it's not just Larry, but uh, they can't even fully convey to the other side. I mean, those individuals know, and there's a whole lot of moving pieces in there, you know? So it is difficult times, my friends. But I did want to talk about, because people talk about um, money meets now and how, you know, and money meets are coming up and that's a good thing. I do enjoy that. But they talk about, but the, you know, well, if we don't go to Worlds, we do have an opportunity to, you know, have other money meets and we maybe we don't miss Worlds, et cetera. But there is something that I don't think a lot of people realize when we talk about the IPF World Championships. Believe me when I tell you, and I'm going to tell you why in a minute. The IPF World Championships is the biggest money meet in powerlifting. And it's not even close. SBD alone hands out just shy of $180,000 US to lifters. And that does not even mention um, any kind of help they do in terms of you know expenses. And I can't even get into that. It's tiered system, but um, you've probably seen posts by the Canadian Federation saying we're now sponsored by SBD. It's out there, it's in the public. National teams get sponsored and get help financially just in terms of expenses above and beyond that. 177, just shy of $180,000 US, one competition, as well as all those expenses being paid and covered and kits and the whole freaking nine in one meet. I don't think, I think people take, I know people are taking that for granted because when's the last time that's even been stated? It's crazy. Is there another competition in the world with payouts like that? Not that I know of. It's it's ludicrous, you know? <laughs> well, we talk about meats, and that's one company, SBD. You know, let's just top it off with all the other companies that might be handing out some performance bonuses 
we have two hundred thousand dollars. I mean, I mean, look at SPDs just shy of one hundred eighty themselves. So if every single across the world company handing out bonuses don't get us a two hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars being handed out to lifters at the IPF World Championships, and then on top of that, it's the IPF World Championships in the Open in the men's last time. There was like 43 nations in the women's. There's 44 nations, lifters from all over the flipping world. And you don't have to use a formula for this head-to-head. It's actually depth in your weight class. What, you know, you remember the battle of the 72s. You remember like these ba- between Russell Orhe and Brett Gibbs back and forth, back, back-to-back years. You remember these things, right? Ray and Jez or whatever. Um. This is what the IPF World Championships is. Uh, just throwing it out there, how much freaking money gets paid out to athletes all over the world, expenses getting covered by various sponsors for these athletes to be travel. If you're a 25-year-old kid to fly to freaking Europe and have somebody, a company, shedding money towards your expenses and then throwing money in your pocket for your performance and competing against people from all over the fucking world. And we're talking like it's not that big of a deal because another meet's going to pop up in a different state. Like, it's not comparable. It's not comparable. We can't pretend it is. This is a big deal. This is a big deal. Um, and I know I'm, I'm, telling, I'm telling all you gentlemen who have been to IPF Worlds and you know, um, and you know the money and the opportunity involved, but I don't think it's it's. I I, I I was about to say I don't think it's been said enough. I don't think it gets said. Yeah, I'm very surprised how many people don't realize the extent that you know IPF Worlds is you know as as, as prestigious it is, but also how financially you know gaining it could be for some of these lifters also because you know you hear. Um, you know, oh, there's a meet with a thousand dollar best lifter prize or whatever. Like, oh yeah, well he should do that instead of going to work. Well, no, like if he goes and wins world, he's going to get like five grand or whatever. So like, you know, it's a little different story there. Um, plus, you know, instead of being the, you know, the, you know, New Jersey champion of uh, champions or whatever, you're now the you know, IPF world champion. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm surprised how many people don't know and, you know, don't know how much, money goes into the IPF worlds like this and how SBD really just steps up to the plate and really does it for the lifters. It's like, it's really, really cool. That's one. Okay. So can, can somebody please pull up what 5k um, or five, yeah. 5,000 pounds is in American. We'll use about, American uh, currency. About 7,000 us 7,000. So there you go. So if you're, if you win and this is SBD is giving this, it doesn't matter if you're a man, woman, what weight class, whatever. It's all the same. You win 7K American off the top, as well as you're now a, a, a world champion. So take that caveat. Oh, and by the way, more than likely, if we're looking at your expenses, and I can't get into it because it's a tiered system. It depends what nation you're coming from, et cetera. But a lot of these nations are now getting sponsored in teams and whatnot. Like it's so your trip around the world, 7K in your pocket, world champion. You think about what some people are going to miss, and that's one event. And it's like, but don't worry, something's popping up. That fucking popping up better be big, <laughs> okay? It better be big. I mean, it's it's not the same, man. And um, and it isn't just 
one or two people we're again we got to stop thinking about it if you're if we're american just looking through america's lens it's not just the american so you do the math if it's around 7k for the number one lifter and then um i think it's 2000 uh pounds for the second so i'm not sure what the conversion probably around three thousand dollars and then one thousand pounds for the third for a third place finish so we're talking a g and a half to closer to two g's whatever um you do the math, man, and there's only 16 Americans. So if close to $180,000 US is being doled out, it's getting spread throughout the world. Lifters throughout the world are benefiting from this. And I just told you, I'm Canadian and our team just got sponsored by the SPD. And I know they're getting packages helping them out as well. Not like just even monetarily, like it's, it's fucking huge, man. What's <laughs> going on at IPF Worlds? Like it's a very unique situation. I think people in other federations don't understand. They're like, fuck them. The IPF, <laughs> like, what's the sense of going to worlds? Like, do you know how good our lifters have it? You know, some of these people on national teams, the opportunities they have, it's amazing, man. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I say this from a guy who from 10 years ago when we were in powerlifting, this is a fucking dream. And um, yeah, I don't know. It's not, it's not being, it's not being noticed. And for people who are like, you know, I'm getting sick of this, uh, you know, people, these lifters talking about their new SBD kits, et cetera. You want to know why they got their brand loyal? Well, now you know. <laughs> now you know. And listen, it's not just SBD. There's a lot of phenomenal companies out there in powerlifting. There is. You know, I, I know SBD's numbers are, they're probably the biggest, but I guarantee you other companies are, are helping out where they can. And the IPF Worlds, that's what having a world championship will bring to the table. You know, you have companies from all over the world who are going to pitch in. SBD being originally from the UK, obviously they're all over the place now, but that's what something in the IPF World Championships will bring, right? It's companies from all over the world start pitching in, sponsoring people from all over the world. I don't know, man. It hasn't been said enough and it'd be a pretty big freaking loss. And I don't want any of these lifters to lose that opportunity. I want, I want to see you guys at the freaking world championships for God's sake. Um, and we could, if we could do our damn thing, Rory, what are your thoughts, kid? I have to say, it feels like a little bit like everyone is trying to shoot themselves in the foot at the moment. Like, uh, like every, every, <laughs> you know, USAPL uh, not necessarily taking the the actions that are going to end up being best for their lifters. Uh, IPF not necessarily taking the actions which are going to be best for their lifters. Uh, you know, and and it would be a shame um, for the USAPL and and the IPF to, to part ways, um, partic particularly over um, something that we in the general gist we agree that people should be drug tested and the thing that we're disagreeing about is the specifics on how that testing happens right and like and that's that's such a disappointing thing to um to to, to have all of this fall apart for yeah dog none of us are scientists so if we actually got our back to the wall and be like tell me the science behind everything you'd be like all right man but bigger bigger picture it's like frick man both parties want drug testing come on, let's make this work. Or if it I think the scary thing is like, you know, you have all the top lifters, if they get invited to worlds, they're most likely going to go to worlds. Oh, right. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I mean, the majority of them um, that were invited want to go to worlds, which means that they don't necessarily care about the whole politics of it and the USAPL portion of it and whatever, which is okay. So this is where it gets funky, right? Because then, like, if the USAPL is like, well, 
you know, the WADA testing only cares about, you know, the top echelon of lifters, right? But are those top echelon of lifters, the ones that have the, you know, million plus Instagram followers and, you know, 500,000, 500, you know, YouTube followers that are bringing other people into the sport, into the USAPL. So is it a smart thing to be able to lose those people, you know, to just stick to your guns and your, and your drug testing that you think is right to then now, it's such a it's such a weird like you're basically like okay we're gonna cut all the all stars off the team and see how see how recruiting goes <laughs> like you know what I mean like so it, you kind of it's a, it's such a it's such a hard thing because then if you lose these if you lose these men and women you know Amanda and Russ and Taylor and the top end guys and I, I don't know if they're gonna go with the IPF or the USAPL or which they're siding on but if there ends up being a split eventually. They ha- someone has to choose, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to have to choose. And, and how is that going to affect the IPF slash USAPL? It, it's a, it's a, it's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly. I can't speak for any individual lifter, but if I had to guess, I would say a disproportionate number of that top echelon. If there is a split in the United States powerlifting, a disproportionate number of that top echelon are going to go to whichever federation ends up aligned with the IPF because they want to go to IPF world championships. Um, and like you're saying, like those, those are the recruiters, right? Like, I don't know, like say Russ, he comes across and he come, brings his, uh, you know, however many tens of thousands of Instagram followers, his YouTube followers, his, uh, you know, like that's, that's a loss for the USAPL or, or whichever federation ends up not, not IPF aligned. Yeah. What are you thinking, Aaron? Yeah, I mean, kind of like like Bill said, as far as the numbers, I think like Larry stated before, like they send about 400 lifters to international competitions in the year. And in 2019, before the pandemic, we had about 22,000 to 23,000 members. So it is like a, a small percentage of people that are, you know, may not be able to go to Worlds or may not go to the North Americans, this and that. But then you have to think, well, how many lifters are trying to fight for those 400 spots? Yeah. And then from there, how many new people are coming into the sport because, you know, they saw a Ray Williams thousand pound squat, or they saw like, you know, Amanda Lawrence win a nationals or world, something like that. Um, so then you have to try and think like, yeah, like kind of like a trickle down effect from these top lifters trickling down the people trying to take their spot. And then the people getting into the sport because of them, how much is that worth to you and how much are you willing to, you know, sacrifice for them or not on the flip side, I think like sometimes as a, person or a company or business where you have to stick to your principles. And if their principles are that they want to drug test at all levels and they feel that this drug testing is good enough, they don't need to have the special WADA accreditation, then it doesn't matter if they have 22,000 members or 2000 members, they should be happy that they're doing, they're running the business they want based on the, the principles and the foundations that they kind of started with. And Larry got into sport because of brother Bennett who started the ADFPA, which is now USAPL. And so literally he's running an organization for the last decade, decade and a half based on the principles and everything that was taught to him by the person who founded it. So that's kind of why he sees it from that perspective. Yeah. Like I said, he doesn't think he's wrong. Like he thinks he's hundred percent in the right. And that's, that's why it's going to be a really rough impasse at some point with that. But another thing that like you said, um, Ari, I want to piggyback on that with like, you know, seeing these lifters and seeing Ray squad a thousand, you might want to follow him, whatever it is, wherever he goes. How about the coaches? Right. Like I know, um, you know, Taylor Atwood is a a strength guy. Okay. 
I mean, I don't know how many guys are rostered on you on your team right now, but like, I'm assuming that if Taylor goes to, let's say the IPF route, his coaches do, and they push their lifters towards whatever that new, you know, federation is or whatever that IPF feeder is. Right. And then, you know, if someone chooses a different route, you know, let's just say like, you know, one of my guys is like, Oh, I want to go with this. And we kind of push our people towards that way kind of thing. So like, there's a much bigger influx of like, instead of just having the top echelon people go to the, the quote unquote new federation or whatever, the IPF affiliate, but you could also have, you know, these coaches pushing their lifters that way too, because that's where they want to be. And that's where they, you know, think is the right place for their lifters to be. 100%. Let me also throw this out here, fellas. And this is the monster in the room that nobody's addressing right now as well, but it's coming. And when it drops, it's a fucking wrap, son. Um, SPD's Invitational Sheffield. We're talking, now that I've already told you what the IPF World Championships is, and good luck trying to explain to me another meet with all due respect to Europeans and US Raw Nationals, which I fucking love both. And I do. And you could tell by the amount of love I give out on King of Lifts, okay? We've done a shitload of preview shows leading into it, recaps, and whatever. But the IPF Worlds, for all the reasons I just said, Sheffield, we're talking 250 pounds, um, in, which is roughly $300,000 US, depending on when we convert it. Now, this thing could be in 2000, you know, 2023, because it's all about international travel. But um, no official word on the date. But when that drops, that's another IPF meet. And you come through the IPF World Championships or a regional this is just another reason now. I already told you how 180, just shy of $180,000 US at the IPF World Championships, and it's a global event, a true global event. And now we have on top of that, so 180,000 halfway through the year and 300,000 coming in at the end of the year. What the fuck are we talking about here? If this is what's going on in the IPF calendar for money meets, um, it really puts into perspective when you hear about other money meets and people get excited. And these other money meets on local, it's good. It's freaking good. But the when people think they're offering it as an alternative, for the upper echelon people who are who are capable of making in, in national teams, international teams, and Sheffields. It's not even close to an, a close alternative. Don't worry, we have you here. You don't have me though, if that's what you have me at. You know, and in terms of production going into this, and in terms of production to Sheffield, in terms of production to IPF Worlds, um, like it's still not matched anywhere else. I get it. I'm going to be biased, but the IPF World Championships, when I watch the stream, it's still number one in the world to me. And, um, and Sheffield's going to be a whole nother level on top of that. And freaking, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. And this is, again, this is SPD throwing this. SPD in a, in, in a year span of IPF Worlds and Sheffield when it happens, it's an incredible amount of money getting thrown out there. Um, going into lifters' expenses and then straight up on top of that into their pockets, as well as coaching and the whole nine. It's, it's incredible. So you want to talk about a, a league we're talking about a global league with money at play that we've never seen. And there's nobody close. 
How is this not even, how are people not, not noticing this? Why are people acting like there's better options than that? Is there a better option than that? I can't see it. I've been trying to think if the USAPL does unaffiliate from the IPF, where do they go? Like, do they remain an independent body that just doesn't, doesn't have an international affiliation or do they then affiliate with one of the other international powerlifting federations? Um, you know, uh, world powerlifting, for example, like, what do you think, Bill, Arian? I mean, so two years ago at the NGB meeting, when they kind of talked about this, Larry mentioned basically, you know, there was a couple of different options out there, but the, the pro division pro meets kind of thing was one of the things he threw out there of having these, you know, couple different kind of like Arnold type money meets, like we're talking about throughout the year to kind of keep some of the bigger names um, around. Um, so I know that's an option. Um, I know another option he threw out was to have two separate federations and have basically your local level federation being USAPL and then having something else being the international lifters would be in that federation kind of thing, um, kind of splitting that apart. Um, but I think there's an issue with that with like um, – you can't have the same EC on two different, you can't have the same board members on two competing um, nonprofits, I think, or something like that. Arian, do you remember that? I don't remember that. I, I just okay. remember the, the IPF bylaw, if they're punished them for competing back and forth between the two. Yeah. So yeah, they couldn't go back and forth or something like that. But I think there's also some kind of, some kind of law in the U S where like you can't have the same board member or a board member can't be on two separate boards of competing you know, likeness or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so I guess they'd have to have two separate boards and which means that they could then, you know, collide with each other and then split off or something like that. So, um, but those are so just the, the two. What's so that? What you're suggesting there is like a, like a pro and an amateur kind of. Yeah, basically kind that's, of that was kind of yeah. one of the ideas thrown out there. Um, I don't know, Aaron, you remember anything else that they mentioned or. I think they've also tossed the idea of what if they make their own international body rather than joining, like, let's say, Robert Wilkes and World Powell thing. Um, but it, it's possible that one of the options, like, one of the better options could be, like, what Bill said, which is just stay at the national level, just like, you know, the, the NBA or something like that. They're, they're their own organization with their own championship. And so you would have, like, yeah, the Arnold. You would have maybe the Europas with prize money. You'd have nationals with prize money. You'd have, like, you know, the meet director, Sabre in Virginia, who's already doing that. And so then you have these pro circuits. You have these expos. You have the nationals. You have American records and you kind of just run your organization like that. Might be easier to do that and have guest lifters come in than to try to be a global body because global body be a well, they wouldn't have to have guest lifters then because they would make their own rules, right? Right. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, I just mean yeah. internationally people come in as opposed to um right, right, right. trying to actually go abroad and be like, now we're based in like we're gonna open up in Italy, we're gonna open like that will take okay. forever and be like. Like that's insane to start from, start from yeah. where one nation we're going to try to go into. That'd be really difficult. Yeah. Kind of like the, un, like the untested does, right. Where like you have like the Yuri Belkins flying in for competitions and that kind of stuff. That's and, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You open it up. International lifters can come. Uh, the only problem with that is to get like, you might be in the U S feel real calm, cool and collected with like uh, a circuit and that's good for everybody. It's nice and close, but to get an international lifter with everything I just told you, 
with IPF world's offers and Sheffield and the whole dream and making national teams and everything. And, um, and all in, 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 if you're coming from a nation where you get support because it's a IOC recognized, like we had, um, I think I forget who's the co-host here. I know Bill was for sure for the French team. And they were talking about the government support. Sorry, Bill. And we, and, um, we're like some of these nations get like, we've had people from Sweden, different nations where you get like support in these, some of these recognitions are very much important. So for these lifters, like there's no freaking way I'm going to cross the line, possibly get suspended because you're inviting international lifters. This is now an international event. Like these people, it would be very difficult anyways. You might get some lifters who are getting suspended anyways for other various reasons, or maybe there's like, you know what, fuck it. I want out. whatever it'll happen. But, um, it would be, very difficult anyways, to get like some of these stars to just hop over, hop back. We know that won't happen. Right. And there'll be in the lifter international lifter will have a heck of a lot more to lose than the individuals inside the U S who are like, I mean, whatever, we're not going to any UF or IPF meet. It doesn't matter. We're never going back. You're good. <laughs> you're, you're nice and stable and insulated in the U S you got your circuit you want to do. So it'll be difficult. I'm not saying you couldn't get some international lifters. It just won't be something like uh, Rondell Sheffield. Hunt coming over, baby. You, you might get an individual like that. Although <laughs> who the frick knows? I hope he, uh, everything gets sorted for him. And I oh, fuck if he was at IPF worlds again, but yeah, it's, um, it's a freaking tough one. How long have we been talking about this? A good, a good solid minute, huh fellas? Uh, I was going to throw in there as well. As far as the, the sponsors, like, it also goes beyond just like, you know, SPD paying pr uh, prize money for pr performances and paying expenses like that. You have other IPF sponsors and outside of that too. For example, Alico is like one of the platinum sponsors for IPF for any world championship. And I think for all the regional championships, they provide at least one full Alico set to the meet director. So like, you know, they're spending a lot of money to give like, you know, the combo rack, the bar, the weights, the collars, the weight trees, the, the platform or anything like that. I mean, the rack by itself costs like a market value, four or $5,000. The bar is like a thousand dollars. So for every single world championship, you see that brand new Alico set out there that was donated from Alico to the meet director so they can run the championship and help them cover some of the costs. So you got things like that as well. Um, so and for future too, like that meet director is like, thank you. Now in the future, I could keep doing this, keep expanding, keep going. Yeah. And, and outside of just the lifters, there's like other sponsors, whether it's the country or the ministry of sport or whatever like that as well with the other positions. Like for example, before for coaching, like I would go as a coach to worlds, I pay for all my own stuff. I paid like $1,200 plane ticket just to go to South Africa in 2014. But now USAPL has made enough money off the coaching course and stuff like that, that they can cover some or all the costs of the head coaches and assistant coaches too. So technically like, you know, for a world championship, the coaches are also some of them from different countries getting some or all their expenses covered assistant coaches, um, at least maybe one referee. Cause in order to score a full team, you have to send a referee. So there's lots of money going in to that world championship to be run from ministry of sports from organizations, from sponsors, from all that stuff. Yeah. And I know we've been heavy on the uh, SPD because numbers are available, but there are other sponsors involved that like, for, like there's a lot of, and I know they're probably giving performance bonuses to their sponsored athletes as well. And um, so, yeah, it's, a, I think it's a lot bigger than people think. A, a couple of the stories I remember was when I think it was Calgary 2018 was uh, a lifter, Leslie from Philippines, I believe. And she went up five kilos, I believe it was from second to third deadlift, even though her second was easy to get a medal on the deadlift. But if she had gone up and 
extra, I think maybe two and a half, she would have attempted a, a medal for the total. And so we asked him like, Hey, why don't you guys just go up the extra two and a half? Um, especially after like the previous lifter missed and you were locked in that position for fourth place, or whatever. Why don't you go up the extra two and a half and, and get the total medal? And she says, Oh, in the Philippines, it's a rule that you take the smallest amount of jump to get any medal because that will help the funding for their team. So they went with the Delft medal over the total medal because it was the lower weight that they had to attempt and a better chance of them making money. Um, another one I think was uh, Iran was maybe Finland in 2015 or something like that. I talked with them and they had brought a lifter that got like, you know, maybe 10th or 10th to 15th in the squat, same thing with the Delft, but he was fighting for a medal in the bench press. And the reason why they brought him because if they get any medal for any of the lifts, then they'll get money for the lifter and for, and for the uh, team. So they brought him in to go aggressive on purpose on the bench press to try and get a medal to bring money back for their team. And this is it. And I love stories like that, but that's international sport. I love hearing stories like that about international sport where it's like, you don't want to know what it means for these lifters from other nations. And one medal in a single event doesn't mean nothing to certain people, but to them, they literally raised funding in their, in their country for their sport. How dope is that? And that can only happen at like at a world level, people from all over the world showing up and having funding from these different nations like Iran. And um, I forget the other place you just said, I think it was Singapore, but uh, Philippines, Philippines, there it is. Um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, I don't know. There's a lot of reason to it. And, um, and it is a big deal. And also I wanted to get into Bill had touched up on what the world championships would look like without the U S there. And um, it would, I mean, it'd be a loss. I mean, U.S., especially for, especially in the classic division. In the equipped, I mean, America's still good, but um, I believe number one is Ukraine, is it? Russia or Ukraine? Well, I mean, the women's side, the U.S. has been winning lately. Are they okay? Yeah. And the, the men's side, it's Ukraine or Russia normally. Yeah. Um, and I like, so for people in equipment, they're like, you know, they don't understand, but in, in the classic, yeah, us is number one with men's and women's. And some people I've had slide in my DMS and be like, could you even picture the world championships? Like, what would it look like? Like us, USAPL is fine without the IPF worlds, but what was the IPF worlds without the U S and I'm saying, with everything I just described to you with the IPF World Championships is, um, no, U.S. would lose a huge chunk if they don't have it, I think. Now, let's talk about what the IPF Worlds would look like if they don't have the U.S. If we take a look at this division by division. Rory, you look like you almost got emotional there thinking about it. Take it easy, buddy. It's okay. It hasn't happened yet. There's still hope. <laughs> Rory's like, how come we didn't do a what's IPF Worlds without New Zealand there? Yeah. <laughs> Listen, this is a hypothetical on politics, not pandemic, because who knows pandemic? Let's assume New Zealand, this is like moving forward, whatever, like, you know what I mean? Let's, sorry. Right? But the, the thing about moving forward is that we, there's, there's no version of this where we end up with no United States at Worlds sort of post this year, right? Like this year, that, that could happen if, if USAPL doesn't nominate a team or, or whatever. But like what happens in 2022 and 2023 and, and, and beyond is no USAPL, but not no US, right? There's a new federation, which is some of the same lifters, possibly some new lifters, um, but probably a smaller federation. Um, possibly they lose some of the uh, the rock stars or some of the rock stars remain with the USAPL and, and only some of them move to, you know, whatever. Um, but like 
there isn't a version of this in the future where there's no United States presence. It's just yeah. a slightly different looking United States presence in the future. That's a really good point. And for all the reasons we already covered, that's why an American Fed is going to jump in and be like, this is a, this is a sweet situation opening. Um, and that's why some people are going to jump in as well. And the way, the way things turn, the way things move, in two years' time, look, look, look at two years ago, we didn't know Delaney Wallace was going to do what he's going to do, and all of a sudden he's the number two ranked in the U.S., right? Um, so, I mean, it's, it's people come constantly. So in two years' time, in 2023, when the IPF Worlds rolls around and then Sheffield hits, when someone like the next Delaney Wallace, who's just entering is entering and picking the Fed, he'll be like, holy shit, that's the route I want to go. I want to go straight to the top. I want to be the best in the world. Um, or maybe they, maybe the USAPL or, or whatever they end up uh, calling themselves, if they have their name change or whatever, I don't know. Maybe they end up acquiring that guy's talents because the NBA, NFL situation they have in their heads actually plays out quite well. I don't know. Why is he always jump? Oh, sorry, go ahead. Why is he always jump straight to the 83s? Why can he say like, <laughs> hey, hey, Zeus or Chandler Babb? <laughs> fair enough man fair enough the only thing i was gonna to say to that rory is that the um, u.s court system is very uh, fickle so the uh the chances of there being multiple multiple lawsuits and that kind of stuff going on and cease and desist and you know holding things up could have could actually happen for a you know a year or two but eventually the u.s would be back at some point if the if the ipf usapl doesn't end up meeting um yeah. some middle ground there but um there could there could be a couple year of uh so a, a good place to look at is the uh, world powerlifting split that happened in australia in 2018 right um so what happened was powerlifting australia uh pulled away from the ipf in 2018 and it, it was, so that's pa powerlifting australia became the world powerlifting federation and affiliated federation and australia um and a new federation called the australian powerlifting union apu was formed aligned with the ipf um and it had a you know completely different structure it was you know it was run very differently to the way uh, pa was run um but then apo became was the, the ipf aligned federation and i believe they received a lot of support from the ipf to get that federation up and going as quickly as possible because the ipf determined that having a aligned federation up and running quickly was go was going to be valuable to them um, and so what I expect is that a United States based federation would be even more valuable to the IPF than but the, the, the key there. The key there is that PA left the IPF. They weren't kicked out of the IPF. Right? Robert Wilkes that, decided to go on his own. He, he left that's, on his own. That's, uh, that's, that's really borderline interpretation of what happened. Okay. Um, no, no, of course. No, totally, yeah, totally, yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like, like I, I think it's a really similar situation. Like, yeah, like Robert Wilkes just said, yes, powerlifting Australia is going to leave the IPF. But right. he was told, if you do not step down as CEO of PA, PA will be kicked out of the IPF. And so he right. said, screw you, you can't fire me, I quit. Um, and so like, yes, he made the decision to leave right but like he only kind of made a decision to leave right like he was he had a forced decision at that point um but but i'm just saying if he, he ended up saying like no we're not leaving and i'm staying in power then no australian lifters would have been at worlds that's all i'm saying would and, they, they, and it would have could been they a, kick him out though like i wonder if like i wonder if they couldn't kick him out bring in another fed 
if that happens, if the old Fed that got kicked out can stop you from bringing in another another Fed, I mean, they tried, right? It just didn't go very well for them. I mean, it depends on on how long yeah. it takes. But like I yeah. said, it can go from the doping hearing panel to the anti-doping commission. They make a decision, then you can appeal it. Go to the court of appeals. If you lose that, then you can go to the third party court of arbitration of sport, which is where it is right now with the Arnold World Records and and uh, Switzerland. So it depends on what the timeline of all those appeals are and fighting it and going through the process, how much money it takes to see how long it takes. Um, and then you create a new organization. Do you have enough time to run a championship to build a new team or you just pick a team based on previous results from USAPL or open IPF? Uh, and, and it's not just US. I mean, if you look at, I know Trinidad and Tobago was a completely different situation, but it's two groups fighting and there's lawyers involved. And it's been sitting there since 2018 right now. And no right. interest in better worlds. Yeah, I know. There's got to be a mechanism in place for people to lift unattached for certain political reasons like this, that it's just. Which the Olympics has, but not the IPF. Yeah, I wonder well, if. The, if... You, the IPF used to, um, but, I, but I looked for the details on it recently and I couldn't, couldn't find it anymore. They have the unaffiliated for like things like the whole Russian doping issue. And they also have ones for displaced citizens. Like if you fled a country or whatever like that, but you're not a citizen of a new country. The Olympics has that as well. I've seen though, like at international meets, guest lifters. So I'm wondering if it's just like, if at the world's or whatever, maybe I'll ask, um, reach out and inquire on, on things like that. What kind of options there are just like, not necessarily for the U S. And then the other thing is too, right. The whole, um, U S Virgin islands, you know, has brought in some U S lifters also, so if something does happen where it gets caught up in court and there's no, nothing going on there, you could see someone being like, well, okay, let me go live with Kimberly Walford in the U.S. Virgin Islands and Dude, go to Worlds. That island becomes a blockbuster team. <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's, that's another very easy option for some people that could you know, just have a pretty good route right to, to the IPF Worlds. The, that's probably the least resistance path from here yeah, to right. IPF Worlds, right? Yep. And how do you, but don't you have to live there or what, what is, what is, you have to have a passport, which is passport or residency. Yeah. Passport or residency. Yeah. Dog, a passport. Fucking, what are you kidding me? That's, that's a picture in $50. I'm going to be on that team soon. What is that? Well, I mean, no, I, a passport. You, you, you can't get a U.S. passport because you're not a citizen. Yeah. Yeah. But right. it couldn't America. Ryan, any how do you America? think you get a passport? No. Wait, hold on, Ryan. The U.S. Virgin Islands is part of America, therefore they have a U.S. passport. So essentially, there's no bar. So there's I, so no. There's no nothing stopping them for every single one of these people to just go over there right now. Correct. The only thing stopping them is the process, which is, you know, both both federations have to approve. And if let's say USAPL doesn't approve, then the, I, the IPF EC can step in, see what the situation is, see if it's for a disciplinary uh, action or a doping failure, anything like that. And then they can accept, but yeah, I mean, technically they can put, put them through. Uh, it would be basically a death sentence for you in USAPL. One, those people that went to USVI can't be a USAPL member, can't coach at Arnold's or Nationals. Yeah, you got to be sure. So you, you get to see. Get, yeah, but you get to compete, I guess, the one time at the Nationals in Virgin Islands and then any international meets like Worlds or APF and then basically no, no local meets unless they build it up further over there. Hmm. That's interesting, man, that it's, uh, yeah, same I with, didn't. Same with Puerto Rico. There are some people 
that live in, in one of the states in the U.S., and then they switch over and represent Puerto Rico. I think they have a requirement that you have to have a certain percentage of uh, lineage, uh, but some people have switched over for that. So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> I'm gonna. I need. I need Taylor Atwood to do a 23 and me and find out if he's a percentage Puerto Rican, <laughs> and then we all got to hold out, hold out hope. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I didn't. You're like. I think a lot of people are gonna make, I don't want to get too political on like um, burning bridges if this thing gets worked out. So it's, it's a tough, but it is a tempting one, right? If you're like, this could be my only chance. <sighs> Damn, that's a toughie. I don't know. I don't know, man. I guess we'll have to figure out, we'll have to sit back and see. But um, there has been a path laid by uh, Kimberly Walford, and um, some people might start following suit. Is she the only one, or has, has someone else gone over there? A few others. Yeah, they have a few lifters for sure. And a coach. Damn. Yeah, yeah. USAPL Hall of Famer. Who? Oh, this is Gene Bell. Gene Bell. Oh, wow, man. Dog, this is like a B team starting to rise up. The first U.S. winner of the World Games, I believe. Something like that. Yeah. So, but anyway. So, we do the uh, weight, weight class breakdown? Yes. We, we did a tangent there. Sorry. Well, We're man, good at that. It's got to be good. Tangent? <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Let's start with the women for a quick. Do you guys mind? You want to start with the women's? Let's do it. Do it. All right, so in the, we'll start uh, at the bottom, 47-kilo class. Obviously, there's there's Heather, and then there's everybody else, whether she's at U.S. Raw Nats or whether she's at the IPF Worlds, with all respect to everybody else in the world. Um, Heather Connor is, uh, I mean, she's a phenom at this point. She's broke the, uh, unofficially broke the world record with 408. Um, at the U.S. Raw Nats, obviously, uh, Demetria with a 362.5, Tiffany, with a 337.5 at the IPF World Championships. Um, Tiffany Chapin from France, only 19 years old, with a 377.5. Simone Lai from Canada with a 366. And Vicky from Australia with a 360. So she'll, she'll face stiffer competition at IPF Worlds, but um, she's still pretty far ahead. She's a, she's, so when she won last time, 2019, it was three, seven, eight point half. Right. So, I mean, it's only one kilo more than um, the one, the French woman you just mentioned. Who's only 19, by the way, well, like 19 years old. Yeah. I was going to say she's nominated for the juniors, but like, if they hear anything about like, you know, us doesn't submit nominations or they're going to pull out, maybe they switch her from juniors in the open. Well, you, you, like we already talked about the nominations, put them in there and see how the, the cards get shuffled because you might have yourself an open world champion, but at 19 years old with a three, seven, seven point five, look at France in the women's side in the men's as well. We'll get the pen in a minute, but France is a freaking emerging nation from Europe. Um, I don't know how many times I got to say this, but France has got shooters in every weight class. So in the 47 kilo, I, there's a 19 year old tiger with a third, with the three, seven, seven, five. And, um, I can't, like, I'm just imagine when she's 23 years old, when she's going to be posting up. So anyways, to, to answer for the 47 class, what will IPF worlds looks like? It'll be competitive with some big lifts going down, but it won't have the goat, um, Heather Connor there. Just even like, have the, well, time out, time out, time out. Yeah, go ahead. I love Heather. She's not the goat of the weight class. She doesn't Sorry. have the world record total. 
You're no, you're right. Yeah, unofficially she got it. You're right. You're right. You're right. And okay, that's fair. And in and out of equipment and uh, Olympic champion. Yeah. All right. So then, um, fair enough. So uh, anyone else want to add anything? We can move on. We got a, quite a few weight classes. Maybe we should. You mentioned Naomi moving up, right? That's why. So, yes. So, so let's yeah, do yeah. that. Nice segue. Thank you, Bill. 52 kilo class. Um, we have internationally Naomi Alibert moved up and has been an absolute killer again from France. And she got a 40, 427.5 kilo total already in 2021. And um, that total is the total to beat. Now, Andrea, Andy Riley from the U.S., one U.S. Raw Nationals with a 422.5. So she's five kilo off. She's not crazy off. Um, second was Tina Tornado at 412.5. Jamie Fisher at 405.5. But in the IPF internationally, we got Naomi Alibert in the lead with 427.5. We got Monica Dip from Canada with a 410.5, which is a, a kilo and a half behind Tina. And then we got uh, Shizuka Rico, again from France. Sorry if I butchered the name, with a 407.5. Again, France, nothing but killers. And so the IPF, if, if like, like, it will hurt if, if Andy Riley isn't there. They're losing a top contender. But to pretend like if the, if the American isn't there, this, this deck of cards falls apart would be greatly exaggerating the situation. I want it, but also, but also in this weight class too. You're like the last what five years or so, you know, between Joy and Marisa being the winners, right? You, they're both Marisa's out of, out of the competition. Joy's bumping up to the 57, so there's going to be a new person emerging anyway in this. So it makes it interesting with or without the U.S. Right. F fair enough. We'll talk about Joy in a sec, fellas. Do you want to add anything to this? No, I was just going to say, I mean, it, it's a little bit weaker. It happens to be weaker because, yeah, Joy's moving up and then Andy would be out. But still, it should be a good battle for the top three. No matter what. Now, I want Andy there, and he's got a fucking phenomenal story. And um, and she deserves to be there. She's only five kilo off Naomi, so we know how quickly five kilo can sway. But uh, but if you're wondering what it would look like, that's what it would look like. Now, Joy is a good segue. The 52 kilo world champion, back-to-back -back world champion from the UK has moved up to the 57 kilo class. And the 57 kilo class previously won by Canada's own Maria T with a monster 473.5 kilo total. If you want it, come and get it, but you better come ready because Maria T is a monster. Um, in the U.S., U.S. Royal Nationals was won by Brittany Suplicki, also a monster lifter. 462.5 kilo won it. Uh, just tipping over Megan, Scal uh, Megan Scanlon with a 462. Megan obviously uh, taking silver in an epic battle with Maria at the last World Championships. Other notables throughout the world, any other given year, not a pandemic year, you got Evie, Cor Evie Corrigan uh, from New Zealand. She posted up a 466 kilo total. Um, Joey Namani from the UK, the two-time world champion for 52 kilo class, has posted up a 463.5 kilo total in 2020. She has since been getting nothing but stronger and pulled 500 pounds, 227 kilo in the gym. She's a freaking monster and only getting stronger since moving up to the 57s permanently and going to be a huge problem. Oh, by the way, Britain's got a one-two punch with Bobby Butters 
also putting up a 463.5 kilo total. This is from 2020 as well. And she she's is, like Rocky training in the garage, man. She <laughs> trains in the garage. She's hardcore. She is, and she is as intense as they come. And these like are a parking 20. garage. Not yeah. If you guys haven't seen her, her, her Instagram, it's like a parking garage, like, you know, car, like, it's not like you know, the garage in her house. It's like literally like a double decker parking garage. It looks like awesome. the parkade of a fucking corporate building and guys are getting out of their cars. Like what the shit is going on with her? Um, so Bobby butters. So this is what the 57 kilo class looks like internationally. So absolutely would love Brittany to be there. Again, she's earned it. She's battled to be there. If you take Brittany out, you still have the returning world champion and nobody's got a total high enough to beat yet and a host of other lifters that are going to show up to battle. It's going to be a battle no matter what with nothing but world-class lifters. Um, But I want Brittany there. But if you're wondering, does this deck of cards fall apart because one person doesn't show, it doesn't happen like that. 63 kilo class, gentlemen. Roy, if you want to throw anything in there, I'm sorry, sir. I know I'm fucking on a roll here. 63 kilo class. Corolla Gara from Italy is the returning world champion. And um, outside of Corolla Gara, who posted up a 530 kilo total in 2020, pandemic hit him hard, massive shutdowns, had a mock meet, posted up a 560 total in a mock meet. But if you want to stick to her official 530 should do you just good. Right, fellas? Also, Let's just throw in real quick. She hit the highest, um, was it the, the Wilkes or IPF points or whatever it was for an equipped lifter of all time. Like she is like literally had the best meet of any equipped lifter of all time just recently at one of her meets. Star. And she, she's a stud. Yeah. In and out of equipment, the best in the world. In and out of equipment. She's a superstar. Um. It, it should, it, it, she's a phenomenal lifter coming out of Italy. Also Leah Bavo again from France, nothing but shooters coming out of France. Um, and Leah has posted up in 2020, a 547.5 kilo total. And Leah is a absolute monster. Her total is well, both her and Corolla Gara's total will play on the 69 kilo class international level. I mean, they could possibly be contending there with those totals that are posting up. So the IPF, on that front in the 63 kilo class, extremely healthy. This is probably one of the most hype showdowns between the best, the two best lifters, maybe in the women's division. I don't know. It's arguable, but it is insane what these ladies are doing. And then in the U S you have uh, a perennial contender in Samantha Calhoun, who's won, I mean, several American titles. Um, her top, uh, what's her, what, what does she win us raw Nats with? Five oh three and a half ish, but she has done more. She's done five eleven. Yeah, so she can she can get into. She's in the early fives, and she can she's gone up to five eleven. Um, and she's she's obviously a world class lifter. Also, um, Ivana Horna, who was a previous world champion at sixty three. Um, I don't know if she's going to be sixty three or sixty nine, but she should be around that five hundred kilo total if she stays in the fifty threes and sixty threes also. Absolutely. So Sam's exclusion would be, would be tough because I, I mean, I'm almost used to seeing Sam at worlds at this point. Um, but the battle between Leia and Gara is, is going to be freaking phenomenal. Uh-huh. Seeing Sam battle um, Horna, who's, who's a f- returning world champion would be phenomenal as well. And uh, like, yeah, I mean, there, there's no question. You don't want to lose Sam Calhoun. You know, she's been as how many world championships given us a lot of memories there, but it's a healthy division internationally. Who? What's that? Sorry. 
two. Well, that's right. Because we missed 2020. <laughs> Felt like more. Because I'm picturing 2018. I know, like, I know, fuck, I know. that's years ago. But um, uh, it, it is a very healthy international division. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I think we well, could agree well, on or that. Or at, at least just the top two. Like, yeah, again, it would be great for Stanley to be there. But right now, the two nominated are Corolla and uh, Leah. We should just leave it like that. Let's see the battle. You, listen, I, I mean, doggy. <laughs> two two lifters. I'm not going to say that. But, yeah, I, I know what you mean. We're looking. It is this, those two clashing is going to be like Amanda uh, Lawrence and Danielle Lamello. It could be absolute Titanic. Like those guys are, they're phenomenal lifters. Um, 69 kilo class internationally is like a fucking who's who of um, like hall of fames and goats here. So Kimberly Walford's pretty good. Have you guys heard of Kimberly Walford? A little bit. She's pretty good. Anna Rosa Castellane from Brazil. You guys heard of her. So we're talking anybody who doesn't know these people that are living under a rock. They're multiple time world champions and has won world championships in and out of equipment. Um, Kimberly Walford is the goat. Kimberly's posted up a 532.5 in 2021. So just recently, Anna Rosa Castellane posted up a 530 in 2019. I believe she's because she, keep in mind, this is uh, a 69 kilo new class. And uh, Anna Rosa Castellane broke world records, won world titles. Um, so nothing but top end there. And if you're wondering, Leah Babwell with a 542.5 would, would be settling in nicely if she's in there as well. In the U.S., new champion Chandler Babb with a 530 kilo total. And, um, I mean, she's she's right close with Kimberly. And she'd be going to war with Anna Rosa Castellane as well. It would be amazing to see her rise up and be able to clash with those two Titans because they're both Hall of Famers and, and they both are deadly right down to the last deadlift, especially Kimberly. So uh, she's always going to have the winning deadlift in her hands. I would love to see Chandler Babb in the mix. Go ahead, Bill. And this is the other one, too, with Ivana Horner. She's bumping up to this class. You know, that's now all of a sudden her 495 total becomes – 525 total, you know, yeah. possibly something like that. So, I mean, everyone else is kind of coming down or it's kind of staying the same because Anna and Kimberly normally stay, you know, pretty light for their weight class at 72. But, um, you know, Ivana is now eating into this new class. So you could see a big emergence from her as well. Good point. And that would be just one more world champion to add to the mix of the world champions I already added. Um, so to answer the question, look, at U.S. doesn't show it'd be tough but it does look that is a battle if there ever is a battle between Kimberly and Anna. And then if Ivana Horner decides to go in there, there's three world champions clashing. I mean, yeah, I could get greedy and say, I want Chandler there. I do want Chandler there, but it's going to be a, a fantastic battle. No, no less 76 kilo class ladies and gentlemen. Well, just gentlemen, sorry. Um, we have internationally Jessica Bittner from Canada, who posted up as a 72, four kilo lighter. She posted up a 562.5 kilo total. She puts on four more kilo of body weight. Where is that total going to go? 562.5 as a 72. Oh, and by the way, that was back in 2020. In the beginning of 2020, a year and a half later, four kilos onto her body weight. Let's see what she does. Jessica Bittner, a massive contender in the new division of the 76s. Angelina Ilovikova from Russia, Mother Russia, weighed in at 77.1 kilo for the Russian Nationals and put up a 565 kilo total. Fucking monsters. Monsters, those two. 
Um, and this 76 kilo class really suits them. No longer killing themselves for a 72 kilo class. They're way too small for 84. I shouldn't say way too small, but too small for 84, but killing themselves to make 72 kilo class 76 fits them just nicely. We also have, um, I mean, beyond that, we already know Anna Rosa and Kimberly are going to 69. So the U S women's Jasmine Penn, sorry, go ahead. No, sorry. Um, the, the Italian um, Sarah Mazzatini or whatever, depending on which weight class she goes into, she could be a, a you know, she's got a 500 plus total also, whether she ends up being in the 69s or the 76s. She's nominated 69 right now, but yeah, they okay. can move, move her depending on see what the rest of the teams put in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I meant to mention Henry Well, Italy already has two nominated in the 76s, so it, it seems likely that she'll probably try to stay in the 69s unless one of the Oh, others here we go. Yeah, yeah I got it. Okay. Just to go up. Got it. Sorry. Okay. Keep going. I'm bad. U.S. Raw Nats. Jasmine Penn posted up a 547.5 kilo and Dana McNeil posted up a 527.5. Um, so I de- look at Jasmine Penn. Definitely. I want to see his redemption story continue. Um, I think she needs, it'd be beautiful to see her at world championships. Uh, she's quite a bit behind Jessica and Angelina, but she's, she looks like a, she's definitely would be a favorite to get a medal. And even though her total is, you know, getting close to 20 kilo behind Angelina, I would say like, like 20, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing a full on prediction show here, but she's, she's good enough. An international lifter. If somebody drops the ball, she could start swapping the color of metal she has, but she looks like a podium anyways, a definite podium favorite. But if America doesn't go Jessica Bittner versus Angelina Elevakova is an absolute clash. Again, that one might be your new Amanda Lawrence versus Daniela Mello. And I'm not joking with the, I'm not overball hyperbolic with either of these people, gentlemen, stop me if you want to jump in, but um, they're that close and they're that good. And they're that far ahead of the pack that they're just, uh, they're phenomenal lifters. Yeah. From there, it just depends on who's close enough or who can just battle for third from these other countries. Depends on who Sweden sends. They have a couple of uh, top 72 kilo lifters. I don't know who's still around for us Virgin Islands. You got Madeline Scott. Uh, we'll see if she comes. So she can be battling in there as well for the bronze. Yeah. Vilma Olsen is, was a junior 72. That's a phenomenal lifter. And she's from Sweden in Sweden. It depends if she ends up lifting. Um, obviously uh, Isabella von Weiserberg. I don't think she's going to, she's been really low. She lives, in, she lives in Australia now. Right. So I don't know if she'd be on team Australia or what the heck, or if she's even, she's been super low key. I don't even know if she's considering this at this point, but um, obviously maybe if she comes, does that old return home for a world championships, it'd be something else, huh? Well, yeah. Um, she's at, she's at five twenty eight, And then also uh, Ida Ron at five fifteen. How old are I... those totals though? What's that? How old are those totals? Are they 2019? Yeah. So that's, I mean, two years, who knows, who knows? Uh, but anyways, 84 kilo class. You got yourself Amanda Lawrence and Amanda Lawrence on the world scene is probably going to be like Amanda Lawrence at the U S run that scene. It's a, it's, it's over a hundred kilo spread. I would assume um, if Amanda Lawrence isn't there, it'd be the same as if Amanda Lawrence wasn't at U S run that um, it's going to be everybody else. It's uh, with all due respect for everyone else. Like so, some people, I mean, it, I, I want Amanda Lawrence to be there just because she could, her U S run that wasn't the performance she wanted. And uh, this could be a story that she gets a little bit of a, okay, here's what I can put. Here's what I've been working on. Here's what I can put together on the platform. Um, so there it is. I don't have a whole lot. Fellas, do you have more for the 84s? 
I mean, I mean if, if, if yeah, if if Danny's not there, maybe someone moves up. Maybe Amanda. Just, Amanda. What's that? I'm Amanda. sorry. If yeah, Amanda's not there. I was saying. Um, I was sorry. I was looking at the list because Amanda's first, Danny's second. Some Kazakhstan lifter from 2013 is listed third. Then fourth is Angelina. So maybe Angelina goes up. At sixth is uh, Jess Bittner. Maybe she goes up. Maybe they don't want to battle, and one of them just goes 84, one goes 76. They both told me they're going 76, but they could change their minds. Yeah, once you see those nominations and once the team coach starts talking to you, who knows? <laughs> you know, I can't tell you how disappointing it'd be if those two don't clash. <laughs> so just keep those ideas to yourself, sir. <laughs> maybe they can, but maybe they can clash at 84. Oh shit! <laughs> they they both the last day on final nominations. They both go They both, you know, they, they message each other and be like, "Listen, it's a fucking barbecue season summer. I'm having some beers. Let's just both agree we're gonna clash at 84, okay? <laughs> Let's call it a day." And they're like, "You, I got you." Um, 84 pluses internationally. Um, we have uh, from Russia. You know, it, it's gonna appear a lot like U.S. Raw Nationals, actually. Where Amanda Martin put up a 638, um, Daria from Russia put up a 630.5. It's going to be about as close as that. Um, I don't see anybody beating uh, Monica Brown, who's got a big spread. Bonica. Bonica. Bonica Brown. <laughs> I mean, is am I missing anybody? Bonica's got this wrapped up. You know, yeah, if, she, if she's if yeah, if she's not there, I mean, uh, was it Amelia from France is probably the um, really was Amelia six hundred nominated at six hundred. Yeah, yeah. Um, Daria's Daria's a junior, so they might put her in junior. And they might put her in open. Who knows? So I would be interested, Daria from Russia. If Bonica doesn't show, like because of uh, like if if Bonica shows, it's going to appear a lot like U.S. Raw Nationals. If Bonica doesn't show, Daria with a 530.5 immediately becomes, she's kind of like an Amanda Martin's position where she becomes 630.5. 630.5. Yeah. Sorry. Thank you. Um, there's also Brittany Slater from Canada with a 608.5 kilo total back in 2019. Brittany's young in her twenties. So I'd assume two years of training. Uh, Brittany could be up to, who knows? She might be around 630 as well. So there might be more people around the 630 range that, uh, Bonica has to worry about if or Bonica's not there, then maybe we actually do have a battle in the 84 pluses. And it, it's two ladies who are real close and around the 630s, around the same mark that uh, Amanda Martin in the US would be doing. So maybe, maybe if 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 Bonica's not there, it is a bit of a clash. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, Brittany Slater's done a 610 at uh, provincials before. So yeah, I mean, six, a few years ago, but she's at 610. A Emily's at uh, 600. We'll see where Daria goes. Could be interesting. Yeah, some of these Canadian totals are old because we haven't had meets. She's from Ontario, like me. So, and she's young too. And then, like, so if she's still lifting, you would assume her total's moving in the last couple of years. Uh, but you never know. You guys ready for? Sorry, I, was say, I wouldn't think the Russians are going to push Daria into the open. Um, I think normally they, they usually bring them along through the, the sub juniors and juniors until they're actually in the uh, open age normally. So they can, you know, basically hoard those gold medals down there until they can bump it up even but, if they, yeah, think they could, could win who knows but yeah yeah right i mean if if again if the u.s isn't there then maybe they change their mind kind of thing but who knows let's move on to the gentleman 59 kilo class we got ourselves um sergey fedoshenko from russia who is so freaking far ahead of the pack with a 670.5 kilo total 
um, as his previous best, but it's, it's, uh, it is what it is. You know, U.S.'s Shahid Bryant, here's another guy that I want. He's earned the right to go to Worlds, and I want to see him at the World Championships. Um, but he posted up a 579.5 kilo total, which is pretty far off, 670.5. Like, it's, it's going to be really hard for anybody to beat Fedoshenko. Um, no matter who shows up, it seems to be the same story at the IPF World Championships in the 59 kilo class, unless he shows up someday, injured, off day, or something happens like that. He's getting, he's so far ahead. It'll be difficult, but I think Shahid though, even if he isn't going to unseat Fedoshenko him on there to be able to place, I think he's definitely in place for a medal. I would say. Yeah. Probably Franklin Leone is probably the the next guy in line. If he ends up going Um, Ecuador, right? Arian. I think so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. but uh, yeah, I mean, again, the, the lighter classes are usually not as deep. So if you can put up a decent total, put up a good day, you're going to be sitting in the metal hunt for sure. So 66s are killers. Um, if you enjoy the U.S. Raw Nationals, you're going to love the IPF Worlds. Sir, Sergey Glatkick from Russia, two-time IPF World Champion, has posted up a 700 kilo total. That was in 2019 two years ago. So he is capable two years later, posting up more if need be. He's done it and he's won it at the IPF world championships twice over before. Um, Penna from France, just recently, he held a meet, an invitational. He was the meet director. Um, and he also lifted in it. Now he didn't, he didn't, as Bill would say, bother to cut weight. So he came in at 67. Bill's not even fucking looking at me. See, Bill, he came in at 67.7, but he posted up a 707.5 kilo total, a fucking monster total. Now, I mean, yeah, you'd have to cut 1.7 kilo more. But he, even when he's cut before previously his previous competition to this one, he posted up a 696. Now he's probably put some progress on, plus he didn't have to cut quite as much. So even if we bring his total down a stitch, he's definitely a healthy over 700 kilo mark. Eddie Berglund from Sweden back in 2019 posted up a 677.5 kilo total. Eddie's a young guy. He was a junior. Now he's in the open. You got to think a guy in his mid twenties, two years of training, he'll take that 60, uh, 677.5 and move it closer to 700 somewhere where I'm not sure. Those are the international lifters. If there's no American involved, that is a hell of a show. He skipped our man. Sorry. Sorry. No respect. No respect. Sorry. Say it again. Say something is, um, is no, it's his name from um, Chinese Taipei. You know, he's got a you know six eighty plus total. The, uh, no shit. Okay. Deadlift, monster deadlift on him. He's in the running, man. When he's did that? Total, when did he post that total? In Sweden, I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. So it was um. Yeah, yeah the last time he competed, which was in Sweden, right? I didn't go back far enough when I was doing my 66 reconnaissance, but uh, thank you very much for throwing that in there, fellas. So yeah, it's um, probably what you keep sleeping on Eddie Berglund too. Eddie Berglund's. No, I said Eddie to serve, but I, I know, fucking but you, missed but you, you, but you said maybe 700. So like he'll be well into the 700s. <laughs> you didn't like fall. my enthusiasm. <laughs> go ahead. I didn't like the tone of your voice. <laughs> uh, that's, that's only if Eddie doesn't bomb again. 
Um, oh, you son, of a bitch. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Uh, Pan is competing like tomorrow or something. So we, we, we should get a reasonably good idea of where he's at, like legitimately at his weight class um, in the next couple of days, which I think maybe I have a theory on I that. It could it. be the pug situation two weeks. If two weeks ago you put up a 707.5, two weeks later, I don't know because he's used to he's used to maxing often, so he's he's ready surely, for surely it. Surely he saves the good day for the important meet, not the not the silent worker invitational. <laughs> so, oh, gee, you're throwing shade all over the place. My man worked hard for that, but um, I don't know. It, it depends. Like you could do the old "I'm going to save," but then when you post up a 707.5, like historically speaking, that is a monster total for a man who weighs 67 kilo. I don't know, man. We'll see. We'll see. But either way, um, internationally, IPF. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. Isn't it funny that he put up a 707 and a half total? And in the 66s, he would be like fucking amazing. But in the 74s, he would be like 120 something kilos behind <laughs> the winner. <laughs> well, yeah, he's only a kilo into the 74s. No, 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 I'm just saying, like, that's, know, how, that's how amazing that is, like the disparity of those two weight classes. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah like we're previously, we're talking about some of the ladies who could win a weight class up with a total. Yeah, I know what you mean. Right, right. Fair point, fair point. Um, right. Yeah, so look at IPF World Championships in the 66 kilo class is going to be absolutely fucking phenomenal regardless. But if U.S. does get to go, Daniel Clements with a 702.5 kilo total is a nice addition. Now we have several people in the 700 kilo range. We could have a 700 kilo podium. We could have a 700 kilo, 700 kilo podium regardless of Daniel's there. But if Daniel's there, what are we talking about here? We could have several people in the top five, possibly if they all have the greatest of days, right? So it's 66s at Worlds, no matter what, is going to be absolutely blockbuster. 74 kilo class. Dan Taylor, I would cast quite the shadow, doesn't he? Yeah, I mean, this is the one weight class where on open IPF, the top three are all U.S. So, I mean, this no, is, At, no Atwood, no Perkins. Let me say something. This is the class that when people, when Americans, not when people, when Americans talk about IPF Worlds without America, this is what they fucking picture. They think every weight class is going to look like the 74 kilo weight class. This is what they think is the, the synopsis of what IPF worlds would be. It's they're nothing without us. Who the fuck would watch IPF worlds without America there? There's no point in doing it. 74 kilo class though, without Americans there at IPF worlds, it's going to be hurting. And you know how pro IPF I am right now. They'll be hurting. Yeah. This, is, this, is, this is one of the ones. I don't know how much Bak Bakuland has been training and if he's going to be focused on equipped for world games or if he's going to come raw, but if you miss him, then that drops even further. Kel, who yeah. um, is shell. a world, shell, who is a world. I swear to God, I've said shell before and been corrected, but I can't get some names. Right. But um, he's a world champion and uh, he's a great inclusion. There's also uh, the gentleman from Japan. I don't know if he's going to be going or what his situation is. There's some, look at, there's other lifters for sure in the 74 kilo class, but Taylor, I would cast such a great shadow. And then Perkins who had an, who had an 800 kilo total us raw Nats think things didn't go exactly as planned, but he's capable. I mean, just a rematch would be nice because we didn't get the best out of Austin, but um yeah, this is this is one of those classes where if US doesn't show, it's a tough hit. Um, I mean, it's funny, right? So so far, we've basically taken out 
if you take out the best female lifter from Worlds last time and the best male lifter from Worlds last time, the rest of the that that those are the two classes that suffer the most, right? Take Amanda out and then take um, Taylor out, and those those seem to be the ones that are the yeah. you know because there's that so much far ahead. Now this could be an amazing five person you know battle to the end, you know deadlift, 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 you know, take the lead kind of thing. But of course, they're not going to be close to the, you know, world record total or anything like that. So it makes it less sexy, but it could be more fun to watch. Yeah, like in terms of a, a competitive battle. Um, yeah, the yeah. thing is, like every now and then, with all the competitive battles we just said, every now that's why we have so many deep, thick classes at IPF Worlds with or without US that it's nice every now and then to sprinkle in Taylor Iwood, who has no competition but he's going to be a freak and he's going to freak out. If every weight class was just a runaway favorite, like Taylor, I would, it'd be like, I need head to head competition. Um, but if we're so spoiled with all the classes, we just said that if you give me one Taylor, you know, and he's going to do, he's going to post up a total, like a rival weight classes up. Um, that's where it's like, it's tough if it's Taylor for God's sake, but um, it is what it is. So, there it is. Moving on to the 83 kilo class. Um, Russell or he obviously is the world champion. Russell or he coming from the U S outside of the U S in a non pandemic year, you got guys like Brett Gibbs, who's a, a mul multiple time world champion in the open, in the juniors, um, him and Russ are staying at one and one each. And we need that tiebreaker at some point, but probably not meant to be this year. But we also have the young upstart, Timothy Monagati, who has also posted up an 800 kilo total. And that's back in 2020. So he might have worked on that and be even higher by now because he's a young guy. He's like in his mid, he was a junior last time we saw him at the world. So I think he's in the open now, but I'm sure he's, he's over 800 kilo by now. So outside of the US, there are some 800 kilo in uplifters. Um, they're from New Zealand. <laughs> and unfortunately the pandemic has kicked us in the pants there. Uh, so I'm not sure what to see there. If Russ showed normal year, Russ shows Brett shows. That's really where Brett's closest competition is in 83s is at the world championships. Historically speaking this year doesn't look like it's going to happen because of the pandemic with New Zealand. Yeah. And that's if, another, it's another tough one. Cause yeah, if New Zealand doesn't come, your top eight are all U.S. and New Zealand athletes. U.S. and There's New Zealand. one runaway winner of this if Russ isn't there. Say him. I know you want to. Oolan, baby. <laughs> <laughs> what about Fada the villain. Tubal? I don't know. I'm teasing. I just love Ulan. That's all. Yeah. Um, no, no. There was, there was, again, this, again, it could be one of those where there's going to be a nice battle of these guys that, like, you know, aren't supposed to win and now all of a sudden guess what we're the four favorites to win this thing now so you know let's make shit happen kind of deal right i mean those kind of th sometimes those are the best ways to watch things and all of a sudden you get these new people on your radar that you never heard of before from you know kazakhstan or from you know wherever and you know it's, it's a good thing for the sport sometimes like yes it, it hurts not having the the big super followers names out there but, you know, getting new blood, new people, you know, new view, new eyes on different lifters is not a bad thing for sure. Yeah. I mean, for me, this is, for me, it'll feel a lot like the 74s. If I'm honest, it'll be tough. 
because if Russ doesn't go this year of all years, when we don't have Brett, we don't have Tim, um, you know, and Russ can't go frig man, not even just through politics, but also through pandemic is going to start hurting. So that's tough. The 83s is going to be a tough one for me. Um, obviously I'm a huge Russ fan as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, you never know. You're right. At least when, when you're, when it's a global federation, people come out of nowhere. Like you said, like no one saw Oolong coming back in 2017 when he upset Brett, um, and he coming out of Kazakhstan, like people come out of nowhere. You'll never find them in a database anywhere. And they're like, how you like me now? I'm also over 800 kilo. And it's like, okay, well, <laughs> hello gentlemen. But, um, 93 fellas. We, the returning world champion Anatoly, obviously from Ukraine, has moved up to the 105s. So the this is a completely open class now that Anatoly has moved. Anatoly previously had posted up an 870 kilo total back in 2019. Uh, so and that's as a 93. Where his 93 kilo total? I mean, it's it's irrelevant anyways. Gustav Hedlund. From Sweden, last time we had the world championships, he won a silver medal with an 842.5 kilo total, but that total is also two years old. Gustav has won the world championships as a junior. Um, I believe he even totaled high enough as a junior to have won the Open. The year he won juniors, I might, I'm not 100% on that, but I think he's one of the fellows that did that. But um, Gustav's total is, is not going to be accurate anymore. It's going to be, that's two years old. It's going to be, and he's been nothing. I've been paying attention. He's been slinging weights. He's not sitting on his hands for two years. So it's going to be a lot heavier where I'm not sure in terms of other international lifters, fellas, do you know much more? Mr. Deadlift. No way. Is he coming <laughs> back? I mean, his last meet was at 93. So, I mean, if you oh. have no, if you have no Keiko, you got no Gavin, you got Anatoly moving up. It could be Kristoff versus uh, Gustav. Listen, if Kristoff comes back, and if you don't know who Christoph Rizbecki is, uh, multiple time he's a 93 kilo goat. No other 93s won as many world titles as he has. I think he's got three of them if you include the World Cup, which was the first year. He also moved up and won the 105 kilo class, uh, defeating Bryce Lewis in 2017. He's one of the he's one of the greats in terms of the classic powerlifting for sure. And if he shows up, holy freaking smokes, would that be a phenomenal battle? <laughs> I mean, if he shows up, him and Gustav would be a good scrap for sure. I would love to see Jonathan Keiko go in there, though. If you got Mr. Deadlift, Christoph Versbecki, Gustav Hedlund, who's going to be in Sweden eating home cooking in terms of time zone change, the whole nine. And he's he's got he's a bit of a mystery now. I mean, we know he's world class. He's won a silver medal at the world championships in the open, and he's a world champion in the juniors. No idea where his total is though. 842 two years ago is like two years ago. What was Keiko's total two years ago? Like these guys' totals in two years, <laughs> you know, pace like crazy. But if if Keiko is in there against those three, it's phenomenal. Keiko's not there, it loses some luster. It's still there's a German, good. there's a German also at a pretty big total, uh, Sasha. Um, he was like 840 or 845 or something like that from uh 2020 i believe so i mean so there's there's a couple guys with some big totals in there for sure um but i think yeah you know losing anatoly from this class is 
is rough, but makes the next class even better. Um, so yeah, so not having, you know, Keiko there is, is, is a shot for sure. Yeah. It's a tough one. I mean, Keiko is definitely, if, if, if where's Becky comes back, it's huge, but Keiko is, is a big uh, piece to add to this. Cause I want to see how he plays against some of these international guys. His battle against Gavin was phenomenal. Us raw Nats. Um, so I'm, so he's earned it. You know what I mean? Like it's, his story is so good. You're like, don't take it from him. He earned the right to battle out these fellas. 105s, but it would be a battle. I think some people don't realize some, some, I don't, I think some people don't even know who Verzbecki is, even though he's a multiple time world champion in the 93s and a 105 world champion in one of the best power lifters in the classic division we've ever seen. I swear to God, some people don't even know who he is because he's from Poland. The, the other one is David Coimbra. It doesn't matter what his total is. He's loading up the deadlift to win. They don't count him out. <laughs> It'll make me relive 2018. My heart skipped a beat. It was phenomenal. <laughs> um, yeah, if he's in the mix for sure. 105s. So the good. Go ahead, Aaron. You look like you want to see. You're not on your head smiling. Like you I was going to say, I was going to say this one is no, and it takes a little bit of a hit because, like, you know, if Ashton can't go and uh, Bryce would have been on, all, on our alternate list. So if he can't go, then you, you lose two of those top guys. But I mean, you still have the other guys up there. You have Anatoly going up. Um, even with Kristoff, you never know. He's done 93s and 105s. You have uh, ML Norling. Uh, so you got you got decent enough people there still that it's not as bad as the 74s or 83s. No, exactly. 74s, 83s are worst-case scenarios for the men's um, if U.S. doesn't go. 74s, 83s is the situation um, that the Americans are saying is the situation for every single weight class. <laughs> when they talk about it, like – it's look at here's here's what sparked this fellas if you want to know why we're on this conversation when joey flex posted that poll is it meaningless is world championships meaningless if u.s doesn't go in like 75 percent of people said yes the ipf world championships is meaningless that's what i'm like all right this is some people got to get educated man that is crazy disrespect to people from around the world um so yes anatoly from the ukraine is moved up to the 105s in his first appearance, when he hasn't filled out the 105s, he posted a 911, and it's since then been nothing but soaring. He was squatting for sets of eight, uh, 320 kilos, 705 pounds. <laughs> this is the guy's a freak. Um, so God knows where his total is going to be now. And obviously, he's a world champion, so he's got the pedigree. Emil Norling from Sweden. No again, no time zone change. No eating, home cooking, and. He is the junior world champion from 2019. So he knows how to compete at the world championships. He's not going to get starstruck. Back then, he posted an 887.5. That's two years ago as a junior. Now he's in the open and it's been two years. So we have no idea where his total is. Just like Gustav Hedlund, Sweden, wasn't having competitions. And it'll be a mystery there, but we know he's world class. Uh, Levon. Tavakalov from Russia, a 900 kilo total in 2020, which is old a year and a half later. I'm sure that nine, it's going to be 900 plus where the plus is. I got no idea. And we're not going to know until the world championships rolls around. And again, versus Becky, he is a world champion in 93s and a world champion in 105s. And maybe he says, guess what, fellas? I think I want to throw my hand in the 105s. But having said that, so yes, IPF Worlds has world-class, excellent lifting if we tune in. But I would have loved to have seen how Ashton and Bryce battle one more time against each other. And then they also have to worry about 
guys like world champions like Anatoly in the mix. World champions like Emil Norland in the mix. Oh, what if over Becky's in the mix? Now you really can't fuck up. So we're robbed of that, but we still have an excellent battle with world-class lifters. But uh, yeah, it would have been dope to see those guys. So Ashton and them got to worry about just a new set of people. I know they had to worry about other people back, back at US Raw Nats, but it, it'd be pretty nice. Um, 120 kilo class, fellas, ready? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the former world champion, Tony Cliff from Great Britain, won it last time we were at Worlds. But this year, we have some young studs coming in here that are going to be all types of problems. Sank Kokak from Turkey. He, I'm probably butchering his last name. Forgive me, Sank, but he was on the podcast, lovely human being. He has a 962.5 kilo total. He wasn't cutting weight for the 120s. Um, just because he didn't need to, but I slid in his DMs to confirm you're going to be a 120 for the IPF Worlds, and he's like, "Yes, sir, I'm going to be 120." So he's gunning for the top spot. Um, Johan Smith from South Africa posted up a 954 kilo total, and uh, he's also hopefully going to be able to get there. I know he's been dealing with some injuries. We'll see what happens. And then you have the returning champion Tony Cliff in there, Canadian Bryce Krawcheck. In there, Eric Willis um, is returning as well. And he's won the world championships back in 2018. So these are all world-class guys. Now, Dennis Cornelius. In 2019, he posted, uh, this is at US Run Ats, a 947 kilo total. Dennis is the 120 kilo goat. That was the highest total he had posted as a 120 in recent years, in the last couple of years. We have to go back quite a few years if we want a bigger total than that. Dennis, full steam healthy. And he's the 120 kilo goat, and I fucking love this guy. He would have his work cut out for him. 147 versus 962.5, 954. Now, I get it. Those aren't totals done at the World Championships. Maybe they might change. But also the, nine, the 962 was done seven and a half kilos over the 120s. So let's just Nothing. pump the brakes on that a little hey, bit. Bud, that's a breakfast. <laughs> pump the brakes a little bit. So like Johan Smith, like his is legit. His is legit 950 plus. But I'm just saying, Sank, strong ass dude, super strong dude. But seven kilos is uh, quite a bit. It's, it's not the amount of weight. It's not, it's not, that's like 50, how many pounds is that? 16, 17 pounds? <laughs> yeah. No, but no, that like, isn't that crazy. Listen like to me for a second. It's still like 5% of his body weight, man. Yeah, but the, the way it works, you lose seven pounds of body, 10 pounds of water, which is nothing for a guy that size. Seven pounds of body is not a lot for a guy that size. Oh, it's not nothing though. Like it's, it's not, not it's nothing, not but look, I lose 10 pounds of water as an 83. <laughs> Seven pounds of body weight. So he could do, he could do 10 pounds of water and it won't impact him at all because I do that. And I'm a, I'm fucking way smaller than this gentleman. Wait till we see each other. But set, so he's got to drop his body weight seven pounds in 12 weeks. It shouldn't be a big deal. The, the, the only reason I would kind of agree with Ryan that it might not be too much is from what I remember when Dennis Cornelius landed in Belarus, he was 125 kilos. So like a couple of days out from the competition, he cut from 125 to 120. The other thing with uh, Sank is the deadlift is his biggest lift. So it most likely will have the least amount of effect from the cut and weight. So he may still have that big deadlift, but it just makes things more interesting. Like if his total drops a little bit, 
and Johan strong, or let's say Johan, I think maybe was dealing with injury too. So maybe his toll is down a little bit. Tony cliff has gone stronger. Or if uh, Dave Richardson from Britain comes, he's has a 900.5. Maybe he's gone stronger. It just makes that weight class more interesting. Then you got Eric Willison there, who was a 120 plus, came back down. You got Bryce Krawcheck, who hasn't had a raw toll in a while. Who knows what kind of numbers he's doing? Just remember, you got to think about it though. Like we don't know what Dennis's plan was before the meet, and when he when he had all that weight, he had to cut. He could have been like, "Oh, I'm going to hit you know, you know a thousand kilos," and he ended up with you know nine sixty eight or whatever it was, right? So I mean, yes, it was a world record total, badass. But like, you know, we don't know how far they got pulled down because of the the weight cut. That's all. Well, we can base it like I think it. Do you guys cut weight very often? Yeah, I think you guys might. We don't compete. <laughs> you do? I know you have. I can find you're, you. You're the international lifter here. It isn't that crazy. 10, 10 pounds of water is, is not, for a guy that size, is like fucking, uh, if a guy, 10 pounds it's, of water does nothing for It's me. significant individual differences in what people can tolerate losing as well, right? Like, to some people, 10 pounds of water, five kilos of water is nothing. And they, and they suffer from that, not at all. And they recomp just fine. And to some people dropping 10 pounds is like, you know, four hours in the bath spitting like the whole nine yards and it, and it goes very badly for them. Right. Like we can't, we can't go, Oh, I lose 10 pounds easily. Therefore everyone else, every time that they cut. Well, is that is definitely not what I'm saying though, but I, you're right. You're right. But um, yeah, no, that's a fair point. It, it could, it, from what I've heard, 10 pounds shouldn't be. From what I know, 10 pounds shouldn't. But, like, fuck it. All right. Let's 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 say it does go down a little bit. Let's afford him that. We're still looking at a... So 9-10 and he's in fifth place. Got it. Okay. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan's trying to be positive, okay? Well, I mean, I just... it's I don't see it being a massive issue, but okay. Because we are 12 weeks out as well. So, I think... So, when Daniel there, Clemens but... missed weight by, like, half a kilo. And you were like, oh, if he makes weight, if this, that, the other thing. This dude is going to be cutting seven and a half kilos. And, <laughs> In 12 I mean, weeks. it could be even more. Who knows? I'm just saying. I know. And, I'm, and, I'm, I'm and, joking. And, and Pan is at 67.7 kilos. It's not a big deal. You're right. <laughs> well, we but, know that guy... Always- but that, that guy will literally kill himself to make weight. So we know that. But so no, like, we know for a fact he ha- yeah. <laughs> on, on the flip side, three three IPF lifters in history have done 700 kilos plus or more in the 66s. And you guys are like nonchalantly, oh, the whole podium is going to be over 700 and, at Worlds. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, why don't you say these things when we're talking about it? Like, top five. Because we're being optimistic. <laughs> God damn it. But those three happen to be showing up at the same competition, though. What? What? Charles and. Um... Well, Gladkick, Daniel Clement, <laughs> and Penna have all. Penna's, hit hasn't done. No, I know, hasn't done yeah, it. I know. I know. I know. But they. I'll they rather take Daniel 702.5 at weight than Penna's yeah, 607.5 off weight. For sure. Yeah, no, no, for sure. He's You're more guaranteed when you've done it before, for sure. Um, right. Is there any more? So, so many Dennis, hopefully, but Dennis said he wasn't going to go period. I think Dennis was a healthy scratch or not a healthy scratch, a a injured scratch. Um, cause I, he said in the comments, he doesn't think he's going to go. I know he got injured at us raw Nats and it didn't look like he was going to go. So it might be Jared Martin. If us goes, that's not how that works. Oh oh, oh, yeah. That's right. Literally explained this to you last time. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. You're right. (laughs) So it might not be a 120 anyways. Correct. If 
if if anybody so if, if any of the u.s members doesn't go it would go to the alternate pool which doesn't guarantee it's that same weight class right so i mean right so this so might be this right sorry go ahead i was going to say this might be the opposite of the 83s 84s where if us doesn't go maybe nothing would have changed if dennis wasn't going to go anyways it would be exactly what you would have gotten anyways <laughs> this is the opposite of the 74s or the 83s or whatever. This is like, it is what it is. How about 120 plus? How about, well, now that's a How about story. that? <laughs> How about that? What we got here? Well, I mean, look it. So obviously the current world champion is Jez Weppa, but I don't, we don't have an official word on him. I think I said I was going to reach out. I didn't. But uh, he looks like he's lost a lot of weight. I know he had been dealing with some knee injuries previously. And I don't see his nomination up yet. And I, I would not be shocked if he doesn't show up at these world championships. Um, or if he does, he's considerably smaller gentleman than he was previously. So not Boots sure. He's down what... like 40 kilos. And a country like Nauru can't, can't afford even a single case of COVID being introduced, right? So there pretty, go. good, pretty good chance that he's not going not gonna to show there we are. So then, um, you know, you have, you have Simrast, you have, um, you know, hey, what, you know, who would do really well in this weight class? Sank would do really well in this weight class. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You got no, if you get the, no Jezza and let's say Ray can't make it and, and, uh, and, and they don't submit Jesus. And yeah, I mean, well, Ray's not in Ray. I'm saying Ray has zero chance. And then, you know, if the U S doesn't send a team and then Jezza you mean Jesus, yeah, I'm Ray saying, who? I'm that's Ray what I'm saying. I'm saying, I'm <laughs> saying, who? I'm saying Ray Williams has zero chance of making it because he didn't compete at national. Oh yeah, yeah, okay, okay. I thought you meant like he's like on the list somehow. No, no it's like no. he has zero chance of going. And then if they don't send a U.S. team anyways, and Jesus doesn't go, it opens up for um. Yeah, Frank. Sank. Sankster. Sank decides. Guess what? I think, Sank I, I think I'm about to be the. IPF super heavyweight world champion. Um, <laughs> Can you make the weight? <laughs> I mean, then every, all, why would he? Yeah, he could actually become. I'm usually the, the guy who would say, stay in your weight class and battle because that's what everyone wants to see. But to be the one, the super heavyweight world champion yeah, is I mean, a tough one to walk away from if you think that might be yours. Right. So like, again, if us doesn't send a team, do you see like someone like Eric Willis, who's been in the, the 120 pluses for the last couple of years, bump back up to that, or someone like Sank be like, well, why should I cut weight if I can just go in and hit a nine sixty something and, you know, get in the top two probably kind of thing, you know? So like you, again, once these, nom the, the nominations kind of hit and they say like, Oh shit, they're off. We're on. There yeah. could be some games played for sure to, for, you know, score some team points slash, you know, um, well, more than team points, but like, you know, getting favor of your, your country and your, um, your like sport, you know, sporting federation to get more money for your, your, your federation kind of thing mm -hmm. from the, from the States. Yeah. It'll be yeah. interesting. Go ahead. Oh yeah. And then Andre Kanavalov too, supposedly is coming to the raw side. So what, what if he comes one. and wins? Fuck. I can love it. Fucking That'd love be it. insane. Tell people who Andre Kanavalov is if they don't know, Bill. Oh, he's based, um, he's a hall of fame, IPF hall of fame, um, equipped lifter, super heavyweight, um, been battling with Blaine Sumner back and forth for years. Um, yeah, just big, big Russian dude, big squatter, 
big bencher, decent deadlifter. Bitter um, rival of Blaine Smith. 942.5 raw total. Yeah, that was at their nationals. Um, I watched that. Uh, wasn't easy, but like, again, that was, you know, according to him, once he learns how to squat raw, he'll be, he can win for yeah. sure. And, and right now, the top nominated person is uh, Steve Ringo, 912.5. Stevie boy. Yeah, I think he'll smash that total too. I, his, his training's been going really well during the pandemic. So did he, did he literally say once I learned how to squat raw, it's over for you bitches. Cause that's, that's what I think you just said. He didn't say bitches. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know that word in Russian. So he maybe he did. But basically he said, he said, he basically said that he needs a little time to relearn his squat for raw and then he'll be elite standard for the most part. Because he will run his mouth, I'm told, from Blaine anyways. When Blaine talked about how vicious they got in the trash talking. So when Rory said bitches, I would not have been shocked at all. <laughs> some, like, some of it gets lost in the translation, it's right? Lost the tra- <laughs> Essentially, the translator turns to the camera and goes, it's a wrap for you bitches. <laughs> he says it like that. I'm like, wow, that's what it translated from. But he, he's already got a 370 raw squat. So, I mean, maybe he thinks he can get 400. Yeah, we'll have yeah. to see. And some of these totals are mad old. I know the U.S. Um, has been rocking and rolling, having some competition, so the totals are obviously updated. Canada, like a lot of our totals are like two years old. And um, I know there's like other countries like Sweden, these totals are posting up. They don't seem that big, but they're two years old. So all it's like go back on some of these other people's records that are updated two years, and it's tough to tell. I, I heard some of these Canadians might do uh, North Americans – like uh, five weeks beforehand, just as like a tune-up meet since you guys haven't had any meets up there. So it'll be interesting to see if we get like a Eric Willis or Bryce Krawcheck to do that and see what they total and how difficult it was and then prepare for Worlds. I don't know how I feel about that kind of tune-up business. I'm not that tune-up guy, my body and the way I react. But, but some you people say, peak. You, some people you say, can grind. Go ahead. You, you say lifters should do a tune-up weight cuts and see what it feels like. Yeah, that's different. Like I, in terms of the impact on your nervous system, so you can come back from dehydration really quickly, right? Um, bounce back from it, but bouncing back, well, I don't got to tell you guys, but bouncing back from your nervous system, getting fried and going all out on a meat day. Some people don't bounce back that quickly. Well, you have to be the type to not go all out, which I could see Bryce Krawcheck doing, you know, RP eight, RP nine, which maybe if he was training, he would have been doing that for a day anyways. That's so tough to stay in your RPEs. Let's send a P let's send a PSA real quick to all the Canadian lifters. If you're doing NAPFs and you're doing classic worlds, please don't make weight at NAPF and just lift in the, the weight class heavier. Don't put yourself through that and save your weight cut for, for world I, championships in Sweden. I, I believe originally Jess was uh 84s for NAPF and then 76 for worlds, but she said she's not gonna do NAPF because it's just too much with work and everything. That's dope. I just save yourself have fun go to disney enjoy yourself <laughs> you know harry potter world i heard is amazing star wars land is probably great so uh, get that up. I, I, thought, I thought you were gonna say be careful about those floridians <laughs> oh yeah no i mean you shouldn't be okay let's Goes go back saying, <laughs> psa for canadians don't go to naps it's in florida it's a cesspool don't go there stay alive but if you Come have back to go alive. don't make weight and don't go 100 percent balls to the wall <laughs> But like, what is, what becomes the point of not making going to Florida? No one knows why people go to Florida. <laughs> exactly. Well, well like, what's the point of doing a meet after two years of not doing a meet? 
like you're going to be nervous as shit after that right like it, it, it's not a tune-up for your lifting necessarily it's a, it's a tune-up for your mindset of arriving on on meet day and suddenly being in front of a group of people you might not have been in front of groups of people for like a year and a half now because you've been locked in your fucking basement um like it's a it's a tune like it's a it's a tune up for like remembering how meets run and like what the feelings feel like like it's all of the stuff that's not the lifting that that you need to need to practice as well i don't know so i'm doing exactly that but uh <laughs> it is what it is i just thought i'd I, I don't know. Yeah, well, what's maybe, the point maybe. for you then? <laughs> was it? No, I mean, I'm not, I, I'm in the situation you exactly uh, described, but I'm not doing a tune up. Gotcha. Uh, Ryan's going to get to worlds. He's not going to know how to like hug people or like, you know, you're going to walk into a room with like 40 people and you're, and you're going to be like, Oh no, I need a meter <laughs> of space around me. Like Here, here's why, here's why I'm iffy about tune up meets. Almost never do people do the old, I'm doing a meet, but it's going to stay tune up, stay RPE eight. Like that's almost never have I seen somebody actually stay RPE eight. It ends up like the pug situation where he's like, I did a tune up meet, just trying to check some things out. And I'm like, my man's those thirds don't look like tune ups any though. And then, um, you know, I think his total went down from that at nationals when national, it should have been a reverse what you'd prefer. Like tune up meets. That's why I say that about tune up meet where it's like, if you're like, I have done a tune up meet to your point, Rory, for um, practicing a water cut but it's not at home. I have to travel, go in a hotel. Uh, it actually wasn't so much a tune-up as like a, I hadn't done it in a while. So like, um, or I think this first one I went down 83's period. Anyway, it's not the point. Traveling and doing a weight cut on an official scale on third time and do blah, blah, blah. And then getting my weight cut trimmed down to like a protocol that I know, okay, this works or this didn't work, whatever then I gotcha. But when it comes to lifting and then staying within a certain RPE, I'm very skeptical when people say they're going to do that. And then this is why I get iffy also. So because of that, like everything you said, Rory is true. I'm not disvalidating that, but what I, this is my fear to get reacquainted with those things off the platform. I don't think people are going to stay lower RPE when they're in that on the national team and international and then when you're five weeks out, I think if you max out five weeks out, it is going to impact the next day, two days, whatever. I, you take a look at some people and they're, and they're like fucking just getting back into it. The body's all beat up and it's been like a week or whatever the shit. You five weeks out, you can't lose a week of training and it'll fucking impact. That's right up in your peak. And that's where I'm like, the I mean, what benefits- it sounds like to me is that some people lack discipline and like we already know that right like we, we already right. know that there's a lot of athletes where you go i want you to go into the gym and i want you to do an rpe eight deadlift single and they go in and they do like a 9.5 and they tell you it's an 8.5 like, <laughs> and like a grinding and hitching right. and like like shaking like people are people are going to do that regardless but if you if you know that a person is capable of lifting within you know the parameters that you as a coach are setting or you as an individual are setting for yourself like uh, that's probably perfectly appropriate and that's the kind of thing that you should be talking to your handler about in advance right like you go hey bill this is a tune-up meet for me i am not here to win today have people said that do people go to an internet here's the thing going to the gyms thing on rp is one thing flying out with usa across your chest or canada across your chest being on a national team with international judges everyone around you being like just here for an rp8 is so hard for me to picture people being able to I mean do... when you're five weeks out from worlds, sure. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? I guess the two people we're talking about, right, is um Eric Willis and 
and Canadian well, just, Bryce, right? Let's talk about the concept of it. Well, I'm just saying because at least, you know, they've won gold medal and silver medal at Worlds before. So it's, it's not their first rodeo, I guess, is what I'm right. saying. So some, so convincing someone like that to actually hold the reins back and just, you know, have fun with it and do all that stuff is one thing. But having someone who's like the brand new lifter, like this is their first international junior, meet. Yeah, first international. First international meet here, then going to Worlds, the different story. That's I, I, for one, trust Canadian Bryce, Ryan. <laughs> And, and what, what is know, he running for fucking mayor? Uh, that was and, such and, a weird sponsorship. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, and I, I, I wouldn't call it a tune-up meet, but it was a local meet before nationals that Ashton did. And for example, he did a 340 squat at the local meet and then 365.5 at nationals. And he passed on his third squat and his third bench. So it can happen. He went, he went there to win 1700 bucks and then he left. Well, but he stayed true. disciplined. And only took two squats, two benches that were below his max. He ripped his uh, hand on the, Then he ripped he went, his hand open on his deadlift. He ripped then, his hand open on deadlift. But he then went he went to the gym an hour later and tried That's it again. true, too. He did go to the gym an hour later with a ripped open hand. He was disciplined on squat and bench because he did 340 squat <laughs> and then 365.5 at nationals. Here's a, So I did that meet. I'm warming up for my squats, and he's sitting there getting drug tested. And he's filling out the forms, or whatever. And his hands are like bleeding. I'm like, what the fuck is going on right now? Like it's a blood test. <laughs> They're like, we might as well take his blood. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's a good. You know what? This is a good overrated, underrated discussion to have when we have people on. Is a tune-up meet. The concept and, and, of a tune-up meet. And maybe after worlds, we'll see if Ryan's right or not. That's right. I bomb. <laughs> I'm like, fuck. <laughs> and then the very first podcast on Arian's like Rory. Not yet. It's still too fresh. He's waiting. He's like, <laughs> I wonder if Ryan's gonna do a. Uh, is Ryan gonna do a tune-up uh, live stream commentary meet? That's right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna do. Well, he's got to practice with the mask on, right? So, be dude, good to go. it, it has been a hot minute since I did commentary. I wonder if I do got a fucking commentary with a mask on. If you're in the, if you're in the building, <laughs> unless you're doing it remote. <laughs> That's it's like, gonna like a little, little booth by yourself, um, like fil- filtered airflow and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I have an office. Yeah, just have yeah, like a little like like soundproof box that they like put you into, and you can you can see out the glass, and you don't have like to wear a, a mask. Penalty box. <laughs> <laughs> People just, are just coming up and like knocking on the on the thing, pressing their faces up against it. I wonder how the audio would be with it, or if they'll just rig it. Like, uh, I'm not sure. I mean, or you could just do a face shield. And the mic comes in uh, beyond, behind the face shield? Yeah. Good work. They might is, that, is that legal? I mean, I, I did, Um, I announced meets with a mask on, and I literally just put the mic, like, up against the mask, and it was, and you still got the sound coming through. It might not make a huge diff. I don't know. It did, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, Worth you sound pretty terrible filter. regardless. It doesn't Maybe matter. you should do a tune-up <laughs> meet and find out, Ryan. You need the tune-up meet. I'm going to the APF. I'm going in. I'm going in, fellas. <laughs> bring your mask. I'm gonna bring be my... like your uh, pop pop filter going on, right? Like just extra layer. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? But anyways, well there you go. We did it. I think we've been doing close to two and a half hours, fellas. What do we have on the agenda as well? Do we want to talk anything about the the freaking Americans losing in basketball? How did that happen? I mean, it's exhibition. <laughs> Sounds like you had that answer prepared, Aaron. Yeah, it is. That's just like the sponsorship you gave to 
Bryce Krawcheck. <laughs> but uh, what happened here? Bill, help me out here. Are you a, are you a basketball guy? Oh, yes and no. I mean, I've been so busy this last month. Honestly, I have no idea. Fair. You sent you sent the thing to me, I, but I, I know it's the Olympic qualifiers or something like that, or like exhibition getting ready for the Olympics, and we have you know, a lot of our big stars in there apparently. And they lost to Australia and they lost to somebody else the week before or something like that too. They're Owen too. But yeah, solid. Nigeria, I believe. Oh, how the fudge does this happen? The, the latest thing I see is one of their guards, Bradley Beals and placed in COVID-19 health and safety protocols at the camp. Ooh, the wizards. <laughs> it's really, yeah, what's the, so let's talk about this really quick. So, What's the deal with like these elite athletes not wanting to get vaccinations? Have you guys read about this at all? A little that bit. Yeah. So I guess they're saying like, I don't know where, where it's coming from, but they're basically saying like, you know, it's not worth the risk or it's not worth, you know, it's going to, it's going to hinder their performance or that kind of stuff. So like the majority of professional athletes are not getting vaccinated. The majority? Yeah. Holy shit. Uh, really? The, the, yeah, the article I read. The article I read was for some of the teams, they literally brought in like some of the most foremost experts and doctors on, on the vaccine and talked to them and answered questions and everything like that, whatever they had. And then afterwards the, the athletes were like, Oh, we're still going to think about it. I have to like, you know, look into it some more. Who, the who, 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 shit I've heard in a really long time. Who, 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 who is this? Who are we talking about? What sport is this? Do you guys know? What, All of them. I mean, basketball, I mean like Bradley Beal literally just got COVID you know, getting ready for the Olympics. NBA, I mean, it was big with uh, LeBron and uh, Chris Paul and them and like the the um, press asking them whether they were vaccinated or not or trying to get information from the teams, whether they're like not playing because of uh, COVID, like possible infection or not. And it's a whole thing of whether they should be, whether they should be sharing the information or not or whether they should be forced to get vaccinated or not. Holy moly, I didn't know any of this. It's, uh, it's funny because all of the uh, ads for the vaccine in New Zealand, like we've got a lot of radio ads and, and, and TV ad segments and stuff, um, actually feature a lot of our Olympians and our professional athletes and include videos of them getting the vaccine and explaining why they chose to get the vaccine and stuff. So like the dichotomy there is really, really interesting. So when you guys don't win gold medals, you'll realize why. Because you got the <laughs> yeah, that's the correlation. That's when we do news, win gold medals because uh, nobody I'm else joking. shows up. Um, <laughs> Wow. So what is this going to happen with the, with the Olympics then? What's the protocols here? Obviously you got to be vaccinated, right? Olympics? No. There, there were some, there were some swimmer too. I forgot who it was, but I, I saw the articles like basically the title was that he says he's willing to take the chance of not being vaccinated and going to Olympics. Oh no shit. Yeah, like literally, like Bradley Beal, the guard from the U.S. team, just got COVID because he's not vaccinated. They don't. They don't know like, if he got COVID or if he was uh, next yeah, to someone. Yeah, yeah they won't yeah. give out that information. Yeah, cool. Come on. But yeah, so, so I mean, so Japan- that's the craziest thing, right? So the Olympics, they got rid of all the um, spectators out of the stadiums now. So it's just going to be literally empty stadiums that cost them billions of dollars. To make. But but so I thought with international travel, you had to have been vaccinated. They don't I think that's to, a Canadian. Uh, that's a Canadian specific thing, I think, Ryan. <laughs> well, what's what's the deal? What is the protocols? Then there is no. You don't have to be vaccinated to enter into Japan or enter into. Depending, you might have to. Depends on the country going in or going out. Whether you have to show a negative test within seventy-two hours, whether you have to show the vaccine card, or where you have to self-quarantine. 
yeah. New Zealand, you get you get managed quarantine, uh, regardless of whether you've been vaccinated or not. No self-quarantine, no no vaccination card, straight into managed isolation. So for Japan in particular, just for purely, we'll, we'll stick to the Olympics for right now. We could talk about the other uh, major leagues in a second. But so Japan, I thought for sure would have, um, because they're so dense population, I thought they would really want a tight hold of this. I mean, they haven't got a tight hold of it, right? Like they're they're massively losing control at the moment. Yeah. How many how many new cases have they had in the in the last twenty four hours? But like that would be more reason to to be have tight. Like usually the nations that like you would think that we have to tighten the reins here, not fuck it. We're having we're getting killed. What does it matter? Like that's a weird attitude to take. Well, Arian smiles down there from from Florida. Like fifteen hundred new cases in Japan today seven day moving average over 2000, like <laughs> they don't, don't not have a good hold on it. Um, and it looks like uh, unless you're, if, if you're a foreign national, um, you have to, and, and you have traveled through certain countries within 14 days, um, you're denied permission to enter Japan. It looks like there are travel restrictions at the moment. So a lot of these things, like even for like Sweden, right? We kind of looked it up that they'll give exemptions to athletes coming into for like you know world championship events and that kind of stuff so i know like normally if um you're not vaccinated going to sweden i think it's a was a two-week quarantine or a week quarantine whatever plus you have to have a negative test when you get there plus you have a negative test before you leave um and then for us in the u.s we have to have another negative test within 72 hours of landing or something like that whatever um if you don't have the vaccination and then I guess now they make some some sort of exceptions where maybe you don't maybe if you don't if you're not vaccinated but you are coming in you just have to prove that you're negative and not have a quarantine or something like that. I don't know, I got to read it again, but um, yeah, I mean for a lot of these lifters coming in from different countries that you know might not even have access to the vaccination, it's going to be uh, interesting for sure. It's the not same just thing. People- not just the people that you're saying like, no, I don't want to get it. It's people that just don't have access to it. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. Rory can't get the damn thing until like October. <laughs> it's the same. It's the same thing for like you Canadians that want to come to NAPF. Canada says you have to take the test in Canada beforehand, which is about probably $200 Canadian or uh, maybe a little bit less than that. Then when you want to leave Florida and go back to Canada, you got to get tested in Orlando, which is going to be probably like 150 us. Uh, and it has to be a certain type that they can't ask for. So now on top of your team fee and travel expenses and hotel, everything like that, you may have to pay three to $400 in, in COVID tests. Oh yeah. So I was looking at like um, flying in the Copenhagen, taking the train into Sweden. And um, I guess they actually have testing stations in the Copenhagen airport or something like that. Oh, nice. Where you, okay, you got to pay to get your testing done. So then you wait, you get your rapid results and then you get, get to go on your plane kind of deal. I wonder how much those are. Do you happen to know? No, no idea. Hmm. The uh, the good thing about the Orlando airport, Bill, for anyone from NAPF, uh, these countries come in, they do free vaccinations at the airport for anyone from any country, and they do have some free testing as well. So hopefully, for some hopefully for some of these lifters coming from other countries that maybe don't have access to it, they can maybe get like the one shot Johnson Johnson, or maybe at least get one of the two shots. Probably better than nothing. Oh hell, while yeah. they're there, but there for NAPF. Just get them both at the same time. Be like, yeah. Oh, why did he charm right before you compete? How fucking bad, how gangster is that? If Rory's like, 
babe, I got two shoulders. Load me up. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, how, how am I going to just, I got two fucking shoulders. Let's go. Rory can fly into Orlando airport, get one shot, fly to- back, oh. mandatory quarantine for the two weeks. <laughs> And then come back and get the second shot. Get that back. second shot. Deuces, bitches. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Kavala when he's talking about his squad. But um, yeah, I mean, I, uh, are, so Rory, you haven't got your first fax even, Rory? Oh, man. Um, so there is significant, I, I don't know if you guys know this because you're, you're in countries who have been like relatively privileged in terms of like vaccine, receiving vaccines. Um, but there's a few countries that have been massively hoarding vaccines. Um, so in particular, uh, Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, United States, like incredibly hoarding vaccines and yeah. a lot of poorer countries and smaller countries, New Zealand being smaller rather than you know poorer, um, haven't been able to get enough vaccines for everybody. Um, not through lack of trying, but because there's simply the stock is simply not available. Um, and so Australia has tens of thousands of vaccines that are not in people's arms, and they're just sitting in fridges, and they're not not doing anything. Um, Hong Kong, Singapore, same. Um, and and in New Zealand, we're putting them in arms as fast as they arrive in the country, um, and they're just not arriving in the country very fast. And then you've got countries like uh, I think it's the Philippines um, where they are arriving in the country. Um, and then the rich people rather than the government are buying them all and giving them to themselves and their family and their friends. And the people who are not rich enough to do that are just dying in the streets. Um, so like, like you to live in a country where COVID is not affecting us domestically very much because we've got super tight border controls and, and people are like willing to do the parts that they have to do to, to keep it under control. But like we, I, if I'm lucky, I'll be able to get the vaccine, the first dose of the vaccine in October. Um, and like the whole country won't able, be able to be vaccinated till like December or, or January next year or something. Um, and like, we're doing like well on the general scale of, of, of things. Holy sugar, man. I don't think people realize this. Um, like, but like no. I spend a lot of time on the internet and English speaking internet in particular. And of course that's very America centric. Um, and I think a lot of people don't realize more people died of COVID between January and June of this year than all of last year put together, right? Like a lot of people feel like things are getting better and that, that you know, quote unquote, everybody, um, quoting someone in the, uh, the USAPL actually, um, everybody has a vaccine now. Um, and it's, it's simply not true, right? Like the world is still pretty fucked. Yeah, what, what I see on uh, our world and data that at, at least one shot Canada's at 70%, US is at 55%, but then the world average is 25%. Holy New, shit. Zealand, New Zealand is 17%. Yep. Yep. Dog, exactly Canada's right. at the forefront for fuck's sake. I didn't realize we were, it's crazy. Yeah, 70 of the 100 people got vaccinated. Okay. All right. Real funny. Um, it's crazy because I remember when US was like way ahead of us. And we were like, man, I was remember being complaining. Like, I remember in the group chat talking to you fellas and being like, telling my buddies, man, we're moving so slow. I'm so frustrated. And then Canada just like, boom, started accelerating with these vaccine rollouts. And we like moved ahead here in terms of the per capita. And um, because just, you're except because you, you have people accepting to get vaccinated. That's probably what it's not. Now it's different. Not yet. people that are saying, fuck this. I'm not getting vaccinated. That's yeah. Ar- around, around mid May is when Canada passed us. And you can see it kind of like us starts leveling off and can't <laughs> Canada has like an exponential spike when they get more vaccines and dog we're, we're crushing. We, um, I just took my second shot. My first shot. Um, I got the flu for 24 hours, but it wasn't too crazy. Uh, it was AstraZeneca 
And um, then they discontinued AstraZeneca. You got that good shit. I got that good shit. Are you collecting all the stones? So their company headquarters is like two miles from my house. It's crazy. Is that right? Yeah. Well, I got I, a couple of clients that work there. I um, So anyways, that ended up getting discontinued, but uh, it wasn't that bad. Like a 24-hour flu or whatever the shit. The second dose I got that uh, Pfizer in that shit I had, um, I was, it was just the weekend that passed. I was supposed to go to watch Conor McGregor at my buddy's. Um, I had a podcast with Joey and Tina. Uh, Freaking that shit whooped my ass. And I was like, oh, damn. I got a Friday at noon. And like, I, I, like, Sunday was still a write off. So Saturday was done. But all of Friday night, I'm like, I feel good, man. I think this is totally out of felt. I think I got, I was lifting weights. I was like talking to a buddy. He's like, how are you feeling with that shot? And I forgot I even had it. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I got a shot. Woke up in the middle of the night, like three o'clock in the morning, like, oh, no. And what you guys are saying is I should get the shot like Friday afternoon, hit the gym, you know, biceps, um, biceps. and then just like expect to be out cold Saturday, Sunday. Like, is that the, is, well, it is could that... be, it could be because Ryan got two different brands. So they're like fighting inside him. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. So this is like, you, you'll mix beer and alcohol together, right? That's you exactly just... what I did. I got a chemical, <laughs> you know, compound in my body. I created like you a like Charmander as your starter Pokemon. Should my, I, body, should I Bulbasaur? my body, I have no idea the references you're throwing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Too old for this, Ryan. That's right. Uh, my body is a laboratory right now, sir. It's also a wonderland. Um, but uh, well, I was going to say something about the uh, the side effects ahead. Anyways, fuck it. Around Tuesday, uh, yesterday, I started lifting again. I was, I was messed up. Oh, yeah. This is what I was going to say. So then I told a friend of mine, you know how these vaccines don't entirely fix you, right? You're not like, um, like you can't, anyways, hundred to different various degrees, depending on who you get it. And I remember talking to somebody, a nurse being like, I was like, damn, man, like the second shot fucked me up. And all my boys who I missed the UFC with are like, I got the same vax, you pussy. Nothing happened to me. I'm out tonight. I got it on Friday too. And like, what do you know your buddies? And I'm like, whatever, fix everybody differently, I'm told. And they're like, you'll fix you because you're a pussy. And they're like, <laughs> whatever. This is what dudes just and um, so I'm telling this nurse friend of mine, and she's like, Ryan, first off, those aren't your friends. Second off, um <laughs> your body is actually reacting to it better. It's had to level up. So if it comes and because you know for a fact that leveled up, those guys that yeah, they probably are protected. But you know when you hear about the few people that the vaccine hasn't fully protected, wouldn't you be more worried if you got a shot and felt nothing and nothing happened than if you got a shot and your immune system actually reacted to it? And I was like, You're fucking right. <laughs> it's true. I know my shot did something. I know my immune system had to fight that and leveled up. Uh- I felt pretty good after both of them. And I told Pete that, and Pete says, because older people tend to have like, you know, a weaker nervous system and they feel less pain and stuff like that. So he says, I'm just like, my body's too old. It didn't feel it. <laughs> Man, you don't Dude, look you're in your like 62. So <laughs> I was gonna say, dog, you're like two years older than Pete, aren't you? Or are you the same age? Like six months older. I don't know how old he is. Maybe, maybe I'm only 30. a year. Aren't you 30? He's 30. I'm 33. Okay, you're three years older, dog. I don't think that's a damn son. I don't think no, that's he, a generational he's, gap. He's thir- he's 1989. I'm 1988. He's only one year younger. Okay, well there you go. He's lied to you about his age. He's lied to me about his age. 
Every year he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm 30, imagine, Ryan. Can you imagine your buddy lying to you about his age? You're like, what the fuck was your I, I actually, long play? I actually have a friend um, who stopped telling people his age. And every year he has a uh, uh, an annual 21st party. And I've completely lost track of like how many annual 21sts he's had now. It's like eight or nine, like annual 21st. So it, it must be like 29, 30 now. But. As, as Ryan and Bill go in the Masters, Pete's like, yeah, I'm still 30. <laughs> exactly. It'd be like, what would be the long play that you would lie to me on your age, sir? I don't know what the benefit is here. What is this is intriguing to me, though? What was in 30? Why not 29? Why, why, it's such a, so many questions. That's not that. believable. Because it's more believable. That's right. When you're 30, <laughs> you're distinguished. When you're 29, you're like young and young and dumb. So. That's right. Yeah, you take the 20 off, 30, it's more believable. It'll work. And he just milks it for as long as he can. That's why I was busting my wife because, like, um, you know, she's like six months older than me and uh, our third baby, Willa, she was born the day before my birthday. So the day before my 40th. So, if, you know, she was born on, you know, I was, I was 39. I'm like, oh, I'm 39. I have three kids. And she's like, yeah, fuck you. You know, whatever. You know, obviously the next day I was 40, same as her. But like, it was just funny. I was busting her chops about that. Yeah, mate. Well, when do you become a master, Bill? Uh, January last year. I mean, yeah, I turned 40. Oh, that's I mean, right. He's already ago. over 40. Like, yeah, I yeah. literally just said that, but yeah, <laughs> no, um, yeah, my birthday was a month ago. No shit. Thanks for the card. <laughs> well, happy birthday. Uh, congratulations on the kid and anything else we missed. <laughs> There's anything else, fellas. Um, wow. Well, there it is. Do we got anything else we should talk about? I know we were going to talk about Sabre, but it's not on until December. So we got plenty of time. My buddy Sabre. I've known him for like 14 years now. Is that right? I I, yeah. yeah. Um, from yeah, way, way, way back when he was living in New York City and I was in New Jersey. Holy smokes, man. Wow. How did you know him back then? Through lifting. Yeah, so he, he, him and um, he was training with a woman named Ellen Stein, who was friends with my coach at the time. So they would come down um, to New Jersey every once in a while and lift with us on like a Saturday or Sunday or something like that. And then obviously through meets and all that, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, I've known him for a quite, quite a bit. And is this money that he, I don't know if you guys have the answer to this, but is it money that he's putting up, his company's putting up, or like how, or does he have sponsors? Or does anyone know yet about where this money's coming from? I don't, I mean, I, I've talked to him about it, but yeah, I don't have the exact where the money's coming from, but um, listen, I've done his meet. I, I just did his meet. I mean, the meets are remarkable, man. I mean, 50 to 70 foot high, you know, big, you know, screens behind you. And he has the whole, the smoke machines and the, the lights and the whistles and the, the DJs there and the announcer, oh, like wow. he puts on a good meet. He puts on a really good meet. He's doing, he's on the right path. He's doing the right thing. And how much so, money is, is he putting up or like, does he have being put that, up? That's what I was going to say. I don't think it's that much more than he's previously done because yeah. the one, the one post he has from last month says $25,000 prize where it's going to be, he says first place, 10,000, second place, 7,500, third place, 5,000, fourth place, 2,500. Then it just says, et cetera. So, and because it's all men and women are all combined, combined all the weight yeah. classes combined, all age divisions combined. He's just giving out for one first place gets 10,000. So the meet I did, I did Virginia States with him in uh, May. And it was, if you win your weight class, depending on how many people in your weight class, you won basically between 400 and 700 bucks. 
second place in your weight class got, you know, between 200 and 500. Third place was like 100 and 300. And again, like if there was 10 people in your class, the more money you, you're, you would make by winning that. So like legit, like if you're a 47 kilo female and you win your weight class, you're winning some money. Mm. Like, you know, there's not many of them running around there. So, um, so it was, you know, the 16 weight classes, you know, everyone won some money. And then uh, the best overall lifter, which was, um, you know, Ashton, of course, he showed up just <laughs> to collect his money. So, you know, he showed up and, you know, lifted a little bit and won 1700 bucks. But um, no, he's, again, like that, that's, see, like that kind of meat where it's like a local meat like that, where you're, give, you're, you're able to give the money away. Because like if you're doing these big pro meets and like Taylor and Ashton are showing up and Amanda are showing up, then like, what's the point for, you know, someone who's ranked 15th to show up? They're not going to win any money. Mm-hmm. right like it's a cool meet like cool that's fine but like you know but at this other meet where i have like you know five of my female lifters that like you know come like 25th at nationals or whatever walking away with 700 bucks like that's cool yeah yeah you know the, the only uh, thing the question i have about the saber is if it's men and women against each other but you use two different formulas so no, it's yeah. just the points. It'll just it, so the points is the same. Don't you use men's it, and women's. It technically is two formulas, yeah, because it's the women formula is comparing them in their women's weight classes and men. But the whole idea what is the whole idea, I guess, is the way to look at this formula is it's showing how dominant you are in your weight class. So if you want to try and compare like LeBron James to Tom Brady, you would try and see how dominant are, are they in their sport, gotcha. not how dominant they are head to head to each other. So you're kind of saying, okay, well, Taylor Atwood compared to 74s and Amanda Lawrence compared to 84s, who's more dominant against their competitors? It sounds like fucking Amanda Lawrence is going to collect that check. She's a hundred kilo. <laughs> She's over a hundred kilo from the rest of uh but I mean, we'll see. I don't want to take well, Taylor. No- Taylor has the highest good lift points of all. What are we calling it? For IPF? the men's though. I, I just call it, I, I just call IPF. Wait, wait, but, but in this competition, it's men against it's everyone together. Ta- but Taylor's, Taylor's at, Taylor's was- at, Taylor's at 123.42, beating out Amanda at 122.17. So he's got her beat by for US raw nets or or ever. I, I'm using ever. Amanda, I'm Amanda's best ever? total. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. Okay. Then I take it back. I, I didn't think it was. I didn't think the formula was going to shake up like that. I'm not as familiar with this bad boy yet. You know, two previously they had like the the thresholds, like the Wilkes. The, you know, 500 Wilkes was the big one for a while. Then you start creating those milestones. I don't know any of the milestones for these. These formulas aren't sticking around long enough for milestones to really be clear <laughs> to be like what's good, what's bad, what what to look for. But all right, sounds good but, then. But only only four people are over one twenty: Taylor, Amanda, Jesse Norris, Ashton. Yeah. So, but yeah, that that's pretty much what I would expect, unless um, can't think of anybody. What about Heather Connor? She not? She's at seventh. He Austin. said what he said. Four people. Uh, he's, uh, he's reading the uh, list, motherfucker. Come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I said what I said. Leah's at fifth, one nineteen point eight nine. So she's right there. Oh wow. Yeah. So this this particular formula uh, like punishes shallower classes a little bit, and so even though Heather Connor is like very dominant in the in the forty seven kilo class, um, she isn't beating as many people as you would be beating if you're in the 74 kilo men's class. Right. So, so her points suffer a little bit because of, because of that. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's a huge effect. Not, not as bad as the, uh, the, uh, what was the old formula called? IPF points. No, Mark IPF Steiner. points. Mark Steiner. I call them IPF points now because 
the IPF points or just whatever formula that they use. But yeah, IPF before, good lifts points. Um, and then before that, there was IPF points. Um, so the, the middle one, the IPF points, that one was like atrocious for it. Um, and, and this one's corrected it a little bit. Is it a, yeah, I mean, I, I do like the fact that it takes into effect, like, because those are factors, you know, who's showing up, what's the depth of competition, how far ahead are you in that competition? Like, I mean, no formula is going to be perfect, but you got, there are factors to try to take in. It sounds like it, it, it's got a decent handle of it. They, they should have kept uh, Joe Mark, Mark Steiner's uh, like a uh, range because, you know, then you had like Jen Thompson doing a thousand points in our bench press. It sounded way cooler than, Oh, you know, 123 points. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Just we were going, decimal over. Just that's all. Yeah, we were doing like you know 500 Wilkes for raw and like you know 700 uh, Wilkes for e- equipped and should have just went to a thousand IPF points as a new system. <laughs> <sighs> Let's hope that this freaking thing sticks around and we get a bit of a bearing with it and we start establishing new milestones. Like what's good, what's bad, what's half of the pack. Because I like the Wilkes was around for so long, everybody well, who, who cares? Like, really, who cares? A lot of people the a whoever wants to win the whoever wants to win the ten thousand dollars. No, no, more than that. Having competitions for remember now, yeah, back, yeah. remember back in the day, everyone knew their Wilkes, and everyone knew what their friend's Wilkes was, and then everyone knew where their Wilkes laid, kind of in the field of where you did. Because in the chat, I know you. I remember what your Wilkes was, and like we've all talked about Wilkes. Like if I looked it Wilkes. up, I have no oh, idea. All right, Ryan, what was my Wilkes then? No, I was actually pointing at Bill. Around, <laughs> I guess you can't tell where I'm what's pointing. Bill, what's Bill's? What's Bill's Wilkes then? <laughs> I don't want to out Bill and do Ro- it. You Rory was it around. Up. Rory was around 390 Wilkes. Yeah. I think I, I think I was about one one point under Arian. Um, That's why that, I remember. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so Arian's best total six twenty two point five at ninety three, and mine is six twenty at ninety three. Um, so there it is. Fucker. Don't you forget. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> But it was, there was a time where like people knew their shit like that. Like, cause there was only one formula that had been around forever. And people would ask like, what's, what's his Wilkes? Like, how good is that? In terms of like, you, you hear someone's total in a weight class you're not familiar with. How good is that? And then you hear the Wilkes, you're like, all right. And then, you know, I don't know. It's uh, well, all I'm saying is I, I agree with you, Bill, in terms of head to head is the best way to do it. Um, but, but, but so like, so like Sheffield, right. It's like, for instance, like Sheffield, when it was supposed to happen last year. Right, was it last year? Yeah, I'm trying yeah. to remember. Yeah, no, was that only last year? Oh my God. Right. <laughs> right, so when I was supposed to happen, like when it was announced in 2019, I'm trying to remember now when it when it, when did we switch over to the point new points or whatever. So Anyways, I think we yeah. So somewhere they switched was... points where like it changed who the winners would have been. Yeah, basically, yeah. right? Yeah. Like if if this happened in 2017, then Ray Williams would have won you know all the money. Right. But then, of course, right. they changed the, the thing and then so and so is going to win all the money. Then they change it again. And then now, now it's this part, you know, it's like, so does it really tell you who's the best lifter? Like if you're just like, we don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we don't know, sir. We don't know, and we'll, sir. And we'll see he, if. <laughs> go ahead. Well, well, let me just say this to answer your question. I think I can answer with what I'm comfortable with this new formula is for sure. Taylor Atwood is the number one lifter in the IPF in powerlifting period. Like he's, he's outlifting 
people in the oh, so that's better than raise 11 12 what i'm going to say is no no, no just no, no, look, look at the current answer, well, answer my question let me answer your first question answer my, <laughs> answer my question <laughs> answer my question so if just looking at the current landscape if we know this guy's number one in the fact that the formula says this guy's number one all right at least we're on that page if it was a fact where we're like, how was this? How was Taylor Atwood just did what he did at US Raw Nats? But can you imagine somebody else got best lifter above him with some other formula? You'd be like, if Taylor can't win on that formula with what he did at US Raw Nats, you can't win. <laughs> the game's rigged. It would feel like somebody's on God mode if they somehow beat Taylor. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like imagine Russell or he had four and a half kilo above him, but out total out, out Wilkstone or whatever formula it was, it'd be like, all right, this sounds almost impossible then. So now the newest, the newest points has Ray, what, 74th all time in points or something like that? 73rd all time in points. Yeah, see, that seems like some bullshit, right? It, it's some bullshit, but as far as Bill's question, I mean, there's different ways to look at as far as how depth, how far down you go, but Taylor is farther ahead of the second place person, Austin, than Ray is farther ahead of Jezza. And the same thing when you start going down because uh, uh, he, uh, science, baby, that was science. I, you just dropped. I, I don't know. Fucking you, science. you did the math on that one. I just did. It's, it's very close. It's not like 96% of the, of Taylor versus like, you know, or 95% Taylor versus 96% of Ray. Okay. But then when you go further down too, like Jesus is there close as well. But like, you know, after Austin, it drops off. We were looking at 838, 800, and then 775. Yeah, right. yeah, because Austin's another outlier. But um, if you if you look at the actual cluster of the pack, I think there's the cluster. I think what Arian's trying to say is far further away from Taylor than Ray might be a little closer to the cluster. Right. So here, so here, ready. So Sank, listen to this. So Sank at 962 in the super heavyweights is 0.7 points less than Ray. In the super heavyweights. That, that's what happened at the Arnold one year, Bill. I think it was uh, Quentin Meyer didn't cut down to the 120s. He was 120, like, you know, 123, 125. Yeah. And he beat Joe Capolino on points for the prize <laughs> money, even though Joe Capolino crushed him on the total. <laughs> and I think Joe Mark Steiner was on the jury, something like that. And Joe was trying to yell at him some things after they gave out the checks. <laughs> so it makes it weird. Like, how much do we put into these formulas, man? Well, apparently all of our money. Yeah. I mean, these these formulas, what they're really good for are so that powerlifting jocks slash nerds like us can talk around and talk shit about who the best powerlifter is. Like, they're not, comparing drastically different people with them is still, like, not, not, not as straightforward as just plugging numbers into a formula and going, oh, yeah, my, my formula is now higher than Aryan's. Thanks, Aryan. Um, therefore, I'm better than he is, right? Like, it doesn't... <laughs> like they're not they're not that good at this it goes well for your reddit flare rory yeah 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 my reddit flare looks real good but that's kind of about it this is this is why um i i appreciate money meets that use formulas to make a competition work and i appreciate what they're doing and i'll still watch and i'll enjoy it but there's nothing quite like just head-to-head competition like us run that's europeans worlds whatever where your division is stacked you have to beat that person these other people in your division there's nothing quite like that that that's what i was going to say at least for um sheffield i mean spd will might change in future years but 
they were also going to give out, you know, money for the biggest total. So like, you know, Ray can win money for the biggest total. They'll do it if, you know, you broke a world record and stuff like that. So there's still ways to win money other than just the points. And they were also going to have excellent head to heads like Danny and Lawrence or Amanda Lawrence of the rematch would have been phenomenal at that time. Uh, Brett versus Russ. Guess where, Re- guess where you have it now. Guess where the rematch is happening. At Sabres Money Meet, December 4th, baby. <laughs> the Shop Gym, Virginia. Let's go. Okay, take it easy. Take it easy. But um, they were going to have clashes. Anna versus uh, Kimberly. They were going to have a- I'm not making it up. It's They're on the roster. It's going to happen there. Is, is uh, I, I wonder what weight class, though, because Mellow is going to be a 76. There are no weight classes in the jungle, baby. This is just, oh, no weight yeah. classes. This is straight points, man. 10K. There's no weight classes. It, here, I points. don't even know how I feel about this no weight classes because when I'm watching, what I do, I have, how is this going to work? Besides the top people for the check, um, they better have a, a built-in calculator next to the totals because every single time someone lifts, I can't find. If there's no weight classes at all, it's just everyone's coming in all different body weights, and I'm like constantly like this. This will be this will be the other the other thing so- that complicates that is that normally normally within a weight class the bar ascends in weight right except and and because you're within a weight class you always know that people who are lifting after you are doing better than you except if you're doing it on points you can have really light people lifting early because they're lifting small weights but have big points and so like like you can't you can't go like okay because i'm deadlifting really last i'm gonna see what everyone else is doing just right, stole like, my or, fucking idea bro that's yeah. a really bullshit. good point though that's i mean bullshit. on on lifting <laughs> On lifting cast, you can have a column for the current IPF points, a column for the forecasted based on their next attempt, and also their current placing and forecasted placing. But but even then, uh, Ryan, I mean, if they don't win the ten thousand, he's still giving money for other places. You got fourth place, you're winning twenty five hundred dollars. Your entry fee was a hundred bucks, and it just depends on how far no, no. you're coming to the meet. My, I'm not nothing to do with like the the athletes. I mean the lifter, like the viewers though. Myself watching, um, for the lifters, fuck, it's gonna be phenomenal. And for me, it's still gonna be phenomenal. I'm just saying. So, I'm so it's literally the I'm, same exact thing as World Games, right? It's exactly World Games the combines same two weight classes at a time, right? Like they yeah. they pair the weight classes. Right. Yeah. I don't. So I, it's, I don't watch World Games. Love. <laughs> um, wow. Finish your finish your love, thought, love. Ryan. Love. Let me finish my thought, love. Um, wow, okay. I figured a member of the IP, IPF media team might be interested in you know, the highest level of uh, literally the believe, best lifting I in the world. I can't believe Bill just gave me the – wow. Okay. Wow, well, he gave me one of those. But, Bill, um, in, in, in uh, 2025 or whatever year they do the World Games again, if somehow Classic is in there, you know, Ryan's going to be dying to go out oh, there. Oh, I'll, I'll change my tune real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Bill's impression of me is amazing. Um, uh, what was I saying? No, I'm saying as a viewer, if you're watching, it, and it's kind of like it's a mix between all what Rory's saying and you were saying, where it's a formula. So I can't tell exactly unless I'm calculating the formula myself, or unless it's being calculated on the screen for me. Everybody's in so many different weight classes that I won't know how the, the game is being scored. So if you're watching a basketball game with no scoreboard going on, it's just guys shooting hoops and slamming. You're like, I'm not fucking sure. It's some slams are cool to watch. Some shots are cool to take that I, well, I watch. But overall, if I don't know the score, I don't know. So unless they have something on the screen, it'd be a lot to have someone have it on the calculator. And then to Rory's point, it'll be a lot unless it's on the, all on the screen to keep track in your mind's eye because well, you, you don't same- keep track in your mind's eye, right? Like you, you have a spreadsheet 
laid out, which is calculating it for you. If you're going in going, look, I'm going to lift to win and I'm going to calculate my attempts based on the IPF points that I need in order to win. So you don't do that manually, right? Like you have, you have that set up in advance. So you can just- No, I'm talking as a viewer still. So, so what's uh, if I'm a cool viewer. Thing. So with, at Sorry. Sabres meets, he has a, you know, the giant screen, whatever. And he actually does have a spot on there where it says like, um, you know, forecasted that whatever it is, but, but it also says like, you know, in third place, pulling for, to move for, for second, second place. Yeah. yeah. That kind of stuff. Yeah. So it, it is on the screen. And again, it's like a 75 foot screen. So it's like this massive li- li- thing. It, lifting, Sorry, lifting cast, lifting cast does show when you're going into that final lift, like Dale, if it says like, if successful move to third to second, yeah. but also it, it can be done to be better than that because for collegiate nationals, we've done it where we had a Google sheet with all the, the lifters uh, for each school. And then as like the session finished, it would calculate the points and figure out who is in what placing. So that could be done for this too, that while people are making attempts, it would just auto update a Google sheet and then just have it displayed on the screen. It'll, I'm sure they're going to think about all this. I just hope, like I have seen some meets where they haven't. I don't think that's going to happen here, but I have seen some meets um, in, in the untested where you show up and you're like, I don't see the scores going. This is off of a Wilkes formula and I don't know who's, who's where. And then you're like, this is very difficult. It's just literally, I'm just like, well, that was a good lift, but I have no idea what it means. Yes. I mean, that's the Arnold every year is the same exact thing. Right. I mean, like they have weight classes and they give out medals for, you know, top three in each weight class. But when it comes to the money prizes, it's, you know, you need to know ahead of time, like, okay, 83 and below is, is, you know, fighting for this 93, 105 is fighting for this. And like, if you don't know that, or your coach doesn't know that, you, you know, you're basically screwed out, <laughs> screwed going into the meet kind of thing, um, knowing where the cutoffs are and that kind of stuff and playing the game of like, oh, cool. So if it's only 120, 120 plus or in the heavyweights, then I'll have my 105 bump up and win because the points are skewed towards the one of, you know, that kind of stuff, which is cool. So, um, but yeah, it's literally the same thing as the Arnold it's just going to be, you know, no official weight classes. It's just going to be, you weighed in at 106.2. Cool. Okay. In terms of like viewership, if they, like, I know viewership will probably drive sponsorship and try to hopefully drive more of these things up. That's one of the key things to make it viewer friendly and make everybody know what they're watching. So I know the score of the game at all times. Listen, when hockey was on the playoffs and they would have a quick little uh, thing come on the screen and it came over the score if I didn't, and if I was doing something, came back and then the score was gone. I'm like, what the fuck is the score? What's the time? What's, and I already know what the score is, but I'm still getting so pissed off. I don't see the goddamn scoreboard. I'm like, just put the scoreboard on and take your stupid ad off. Um, so it's, it's a big deal in sports and it, it rattles me out sometimes. So this, if they can do this, I think the, the viewership is huge. If they're going to do money meets more and more like sponsors, come on, like what's your viewers, what's your reach? You know, these are the little things, but I, they got so much time and I'm sure they're thinking about it. Yeah. I think it'll be bigger for the uh, live stream. Like the people will come to the meet. Sure. Maybe for this, there'll be big names that come and watch, but oftentimes people come watch as like family and friends. Like they just want to see their lifter and they don't really care about the overall competition. But for the live stream, if you can have like, yeah, someone who's a good commentator, who's keeping track of this and saying, Hey, opening attempts, this is what's looking like as far as the prize breakdown. And this is how things are changing then that would make it more interesting for people watching at home. And as well, if they like, you know, cut any videos and include the commentary and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, If only we knew a good commentator. (laughs) Well, this could be crossing political lines, unfortunately, by then. (laughs) He's got this other, he's got this other cool thing too, where he has an actual interview pod 
where basically like you walk off the platform, you walk into this like interview area and they have someone there with a mic, you know, and they basically do all these interviews and they splice that into the, um, the live stream when he's putting it on too, which is pretty, pretty cool. Dope. And he did that for oh, local dope. meets too. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. They that's do that dope. for local meets. That's pretty dope. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if I'd be fascinated by them. He, he does everything. Like he'll see something happening in a meet, like the, the, the backdrop, the screens. It's like, okay, I want that. I think he probably got the interview thing because they used to do that to Arnold. Like Ryan Creo would go and interview like Dave Ricks after he squatted or whatever with just the USAPL backdrop in the side hallway. Yeah, I did interviews a couple times in the 2018 World Championships. Um, if you won, we went way back onto the platform and I interviewed you <laughs> in front of the, the backdrop on the platform. That's pretty cool. We did that. I don't know if we did that ever. We didn't do that in Sweden though. Maybe we'll do it again. Who knows, man? Things change quickly, fellas. Depends on the situation. Although, no, man, on a pandemic situation, I don't know if that we're going to be able to. Man, Interviews with mask sound, baby. Interviews with mask sound. With, with just the, the mic on a pole, like you, I got like a boom. I got a boom pole that I got. <laughs> That's How what they're doing. If I'm like, do I have to be the guy who fucking holds this thing? This is. <laughs> holding it on skirt on camera you see me holding the boom door i'm sure you can find an assistant <laughs> the person's like what the fuck man <laughs> standing two meters away from them like that's right it's all <laughs> awkward i keep hitting him like sorry it's hard to balance this fucking thing from two meters away it's heavy on that side so i'm <laughs> it's my first day on with the boom stick too i'm like this isn't working out well this is not organic um but uh Anyways, fellas, looks like we did end up talking quite a bit about Saber. Anyways, we're not going to do a full-on preview show, obviously, but I did want to mention it because it's popping up. Sounds cool enough having a money meet. Yeah, it's oh. cool that all these money meets are popping up, even if it's just small ones for for local meets. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, the names on this is like almost like a, a Arnold. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously this was big, but I just mean like over the last, like, let's say five years, slowly things have been popping up where like, you know, they're giving out sponsor equipment or shirts and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah. They're giving out like a barbell. They might give out 250 bucks. The Arnold is slowly been increasing price, uh, a prize money. The IPF is doing prize money now for the other Arnold events. You got Sheffield coming. So it's like slowly these little things are building up over time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you. Yeah, even at the local level, we got money. What's up, Bill? All right, so Dennis Cornelius just posted this really quick. He said, for the Virginia Pro Mees, this is laughable. He says, if he weighs in at 120 kilos, he needs a total 2,342 pounds to beat Taylor Atwood, which is basically like over 1,000 kilos. 1,050 kilos. He said, Jesus at 170 would have to be 2,684 pounds. And then Ray at 182 would have to be 2,744 2, pounds to beat Taylor. So he goes, the big boys are there just for a spectacle. <laughs> well, that's How all it. these formulas work out. But if it was four years ago and it was Wilkes, they would all be winning the money. Oh, hell yeah, man. But if I may, I remember the day going into like a, even at a local meet and you're handling some buddies and whatnot. And you're like, dude, I think you got a good shot of getting best lifter. And then you look in some mediocre heavyweights there and you're like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> and this mediocre heavyweight is is going to crush. And he's, yeah. And well, some dude who's like 45 kilos. That one, right. that one yeah. benefited both both ends. Yeah, yeah. So Worlds, right? It was always like, uh, 
uh, Fedosienko, Ray, and then Dennis, like top three, like for a couple of years in a row, whatever. I remember if it, it, was, if it was Finland, it was Fedosienko sandwiched between Ray and Kelly because I think yeah. <laughs> they got first and third. And Sergei was in the middle second with his little yeah. is what Did made it? it such a big deal when uh, I think Brett got second on points overall in uh, in 2018, and that was a really big deal because that was on that was on Wilkes, which punished 83 kilo lifters harder than any other lifter. Did and it? also because Brett had to use the word Wilkes in his thing too. So, yeah. <laughs> but um, I remember actually it was um, maybe the Colorado equipped nationals when Carl Christensen squatted the four ninety plus or whatever it was. And he ended up beating out Fedosienko for best lifter and they had the camera and they panned on Fedosienko when like Carl hit the, his last deadlift. And he was like, yeah, like all pissed off. <laughs> but it was probably adorable. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I think, I don't know if it's the men's or the women's, but after a certain point with the Wilkes calculator, if you keep increasing your body weight, but keep your total the same, your Wilkes starts going to back up. Yeah, it was uh, both for the, for the, for the woman, there was an inflection point at a little over 202 kilos where your, your Wilkes was briefly undefined. Um, so if you weighed in at exactly the right body weight, you could get like positive infinity or negative infinity. Wilkes. Oh, um, dude, this <laughs> is like the cheat code. It, it's yeah. because it's because the Wilkes form was actually built off a data table of table of every single body weight and what the coefficient is. And he only went up to a certain weight and below a certain weight for men and women. So if you happen to be below that, like a youth lifter weighing 30 kilos, then like he didn't have a yeah. coefficient for you. So he just, a... the formula, I guess, on the websites was just continue the previous coefficient. So you would actually like, you know, not that's, lose that's anything. not quite right Arian. that's not quite right it was a, it was a it was a fifth order polynomial um but it was only defined across body weights in a certain range and so he took like the top and the bottom of the range and made sure that it made sense between that range and if you came outside that range it wasn't that there wasn't a formula it's that it wasn't fitted to any data and so he just continued to extrapolate um and so and so if it was like on the way down it just it would keep going down it wouldn't fix the coefficients yeah um which was it was okay considering when and how it was made i guess um but yeah not not the best formula <laughs> <laughs> what did you call it what did Wait, you say yeah, yeah i said it was a it was a, i said it was a fifth order polynomial there it is that's that's not something i hear every day that's gonna shock you <laughs> <laughs> that's, did, you, did that, you pass high school maths ryan that was, a, that was the first time i heard that today dog i'm a university <laughs> graduate that had to take fucking university math if you could believe it and well, whatever, long story, but I was going to tell you, I was, uh, I took a lot of tutoring to get through uh, math and university level, but hard work pays off. It happened. Um, yeah. I mean, the Wilkes wasn't perfect, but I think the more and more we're going to deal with some of these other ones, we're going to find new shit to complain about, but we are getting better. We are learning from the mistakes of previous form, or at least, well, we saw cons and we like, we got to cover this con, but I feel like sometimes you cover one and another thing pops up. Unless your weight class is the one that's affected the most by it, you're going to complain, right? Or like your benefits the most by the, the formula, then you're going to complain. So it doesn't matter. Or when your weight class, like me, you're weak get stronger, in the middle of the pack anyway. Like, What's that? Unless you're like me and you're weak and you're in the middle of the pack anyway, and it just like it just doesn't matter what the formula is because I'm, I'm I'm still not going to win, right? Right. Are you got any comp? Are you are you competing in the future? Or oh, no, Rory, you've been injured. He just competed like a couple weeks ago. I yeah, I competed. I uh, did uh, North Island Bench Press Championships not too long ago. Oh, we all right. guessed wrong on this bench. Way wrong. What did you get? To be fair, I, I, I jumped the press command. 
I jumped the press command on purpose, to be fair. To be like Taylor Atwood? Because you knew you are going to miss it anyway, so you just... Like, I knew I was going to miss it anyway, so I was like, fuck it, I'm going to try. <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I unracked it and had like that explosion of stars, and I was like, oh boy, this is going to go real bad. Um, so yeah, didn't, didn't, didn't wait for a press command, gave it a try anyway, stapled, so... Bill, nice. if I remember correctly, that's what Jeff Cohen did at Nationals. His second attempt was like super hard. He comes over like, don't worry, I'll just jump the press command on the third and see if we can get away with it. He goes out for his third. He doesn't jump it at all. He just waits and it just doesn't get it. He's like, I, I decided to wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Until what? The spotters took it. <laughs> Those face turned blue. No shit. How about you fellas? When's the last time you guys competed? Arian. 2019 uh, Bench Nationals. Nice. Yeah, I did that meet in May just before the baby was born. So, wait, what well, did you You did it equipped, right? Yeah, I did a, the full meet equipped. Are you going so, raw doggy again sometime? Yeah, we'll see. I mean, it's really hard for me to be honest with you because I just I coach so many raw lifters. So going to the local meets and to the um, national level meets is like, I can't compete. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's like I'm there, like for my lifters kind of thing. So like, it just doesn't make sense for me to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm taking the last two days of raw nationals off so I can do, you know, my competition. Mm-hmm. Right. So you guys are on your own, figure it out. Like that's just not who I am. You know what I mean? So I don't mind going over to the equip side and lifting there and, Plus, I'm a master's now, and equip's fun. I started off equipped, you know, like um, when when we started lifting. When I started lifting, raw didn't exist yet. There was no classic or raw division, so. In the IPF anyways, but yeah. Well, no, USAPL there wasn't either. Yeah, USAPL, yeah, yeah. There was like there other was feds, I'm sure. 100% did. raw. Could have found some. Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's a million of AAU. There's a million feds back in the day. Oh, yeah. Still well, there exists. still is. Yeah, yeah yeah sorry i'm yeah you're right <laughs> they're still around that's true um but yeah i mean there's a i, I this will be the first time in two freaking years and it is back-to-back world championships with nothing in between you're doing back-to-back world championships yeah <laughs> two years doing? apart that might be a record in and of itself he, he means 2019 and oh, then 2021 oh, oh, oh. Got you, got you, got you. Yeah, yeah, dog no tune up no tune up, no no chaser. Yeah, man. Twenty twenty was the first year I haven't competed since I started. So it's been like like thirteen or fourteen years. It's the first time I didn't compete. Same, Same. one year. Same. I think I I think I went nine years straight and broke the streak. Nine years straight oh. of what? Of of doing at least one meet a <laughs> okay. year. Okay. Okay. Going streaking, boys. <laughs> now maybe i'll go nine years of not doing a meet i was gonna say dog because you say you don't train thing is if you do a meet every year well, he still competed also... he, he, he didn't train but he still competed <laughs> my my shirt I, I did equip bench nationals my shirt doesn't need to train if anything it's better by not using it what dude you don't want you don't want you don't want to break it in too much and, and wear it out then you gotta yeah, buy you know, I should I should do bench nationals in that shirt up there that I haven't worn since I was 93 kilos. What what type of shirt is it? Yeah, what size is it? Maybe I need it. Super cat. It was like a like a 42 super cat or something. I, I was using an F6, it's a different <laughs> different battle there. I've only got a super cat. So if if I'm doing it, I'm doing it properly. For for me, Ryan, it was no longer about the numbers. It's is being able to do things to standards and make attempts. That way that you know if I tell my lifters, I can say, look, I did it as well. But how many count if you stand back. do you have? Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Like, I mean, whether it's raw or equipped, I mean, I'm still, you know, making attempts 
and still having like good technique and everything like that. Yeah. Like I can tell lifters. Uh, uh, I, making, I can, we can say making attempts. Let's just let's leave it there. <laughs> I can tell my lifters raw or equipped since uh, 2011. I've never missed a squat competition. What have you really? You never have any ever. Huh? Squatted. I'm going to fact check that. <laughs> you can fact check that. In addition, all my meat results are not online. Let me so. tell you something. Um, I've never bombed in my life. I have. <laughs> I bought my first two meets. Holy shit, that's a rough start. Squat depth on the first one. And then uh second meet, I crushed all three squats and I couldn't uh touch my chest and my shirt for the bench in the second meet. Oh, you you did your first two meets equipped then um because raw didn't variables. exist, yeah. It exists. I mean you could still you could still lift raw, Bill. I mean, there's a lot of kids. Nobody that... didn't, nobody did. There's a lot of people who lifted raw in the mid 2000s People were not lifting raw. At the uh, Arkansas State Championships we had last week, I think it was one one kid squatting without knee wraps in a suit, and then uh, they both came from Texas. And in Texas high school, you can have the uh, the was a slingshot that's sewn into the bench. Bench, bench the, ben, the bench that is sewn into the bencher, and I see that I'm like, you can't wear that. So they both so they both had to lift raw, but with their squat suit on because I guess they didn't have singlets for bench press. What the nice. fuck? <laughs> With sometimes, do they not have a coach? Like so, sometimes they forget and sometimes they can't afford it. So they just wear their squat suit for bench. I've seen that happen like multiple times where people at local meets just throw in their squat suit, the bench in their shirt also. It's awesome. It's, it's pretty awesome. Actually, I should probably try that. See if it works. <laughs> if, if, you have, sure if, it if you have no arch, it doesn't matter. <laughs> I guess, but it'd be so weird to lay down like that. I haven't worn a good squat for leg drive. I mean, their squat suits were pretty loose as well. It's not like they were like shoved yeah. in there. Hmm. Man, if you don't look like a sausage, like shoved into your into your squat suit, that's it's not tight enough. I mean, if you're you know 14 to 16 years old, you want to start them light, or else they're gonna bomb out like Bill. Or is it going to bomb out like Bill? You had to throw it. It's true. It's true. It used to be this uh, powerlifting forum in New Zealand and like the from the early 2000s to like the, the mid 2000s. And I can't remember what it's called now, but it was based out of one of the gyms in Wellington. And if you bombed, the moderator would go in and change your username to your first name, McBomb. So it would be like Bill McBomb until you did a meet and didn't bomb. And so because, but because the forum died, there's a whole bunch of people there who still have like McBomb as their, as their username. Didn't we do that for our group chat when Bill bombed? <laughs> i didn't buy oh yeah well we have with the bench bench nationals yeah i did that one too that was good Roy, there used to be an awesome there used to be an awesome forum um for usapl wasn't it was it called like the usapl conspiracy theory or something like that what was that called again what no there there was like usaplTransparency.com or something like that yeah yeah from, that, that's what it was from yeah. uh that lifter becky rich yeah becky rich the lawyer yeah esquire it was based um, on uh, the whole with uh, the raw unity meet, I believe, and like yeah. uh, U.S. lifters not being able to then compete at IPF. It was like the beginnings of that rule. Yeah, it was so good. Yep. And what, she just give the hot, juicy goss? Yeah, basically how she like, yeah, it's, it's a whole nother story for a whole nother time. But yeah, right. but basically it was the whole thing with the raw unity where they wouldn't let the USAPL lifters go anymore um, because it was international meet. And then that was it from there. Um, so yeah, doesn't look like she has the website anymore, unfortunately. Ooh, Arian, I just pulled you up, doggy. Yeah, you, you don't, you have you, how come your meets aren't on the database? Because he's you know, the one who puts them in. Because Bill, 
No, Bill and I are so old that we're from before the database. And so they didn't put all the meat results in there. I think they only put in meat results from 2012 on. And even then some of them were incorrect. Like when I told, uh, Oh yeah. I, I told Pete for my one meet, they put in my squat for a bench and deadlift. So I had a 210 squat, a 210 bench, a 210 deadlift. <laughs> Should have kept that bench, man. Should have kept the kept your yeah, the perfect keep ratio. Your mouth, keep your mouth shut. You recruit some clients in the bench world there. <laughs> um friggin' uh yeah, I just Googled or open power lifted my name and picks up at 2014 as well. And I started back in 2008. I believe yeah. it was my first recorded. So uh, yeah, they, they're probably working backwards though. I think they're going to start. I think they are. They, I, I mean, think a lot of stuff doesn't exist either online. Like, I mean, the meets we were doing was like fucking paper, right? They would like write the results on a piece of paper Some and them. slap yeah. it on the back. Yeah, yeah. They, were, they were focused on the bigger meets and that's why they went to like all the IPF world championships and like the USPF nationals and pulled all those. And I think Open Palfing bought a bunch of the Palfing USA, uh, USA magazines and they went did. in and typed I, in all the results. I talked to um, one of the ladies who's like one of the uh, works with the IPF media team as well. Uh, bless her heart. And um, I don't know if she, I'm, she wants me to say her name, so I won't, but uh, she's doing God's work and um, they do stuff like that. They just straight up for the love of the game, go through magazines, pulling totals, scour the internet, looking for results from different feds for open powerlifting and it's crazy what they're doing it's insane um yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm blown away talking she's telling me about it um yeah man it's uh what they're doing and there's not a lot of them in open powerlifting either that are that are doing this there's just a few of them just grinding day after day week after week adding to the database that we take for granted we just hop in there, throw in your name, and we could we do all this scouting. It's such a beautiful tool for us. And I swear to God, a handful of people just sit down hour after hour, plugging away, making this happen. They should start their own federation. They should. Yeah, right. oh, don't even stop, though. Don't start that, Bill. <laughs> Dude, no, I'm going there. Oh, he is sassy tonight, isn't he? <laughs> he is spicy yeah. tonight. This I is mean, Bill when he's I mean, weren't they, uh, weren't they rejecting certain meat results? I don't know. Were they? <laughs> they they were rejecting results for meets that didn't have a uh, an affiliation or that had been run illegally. Um, so meets that have been done during lockdowns that weren't supposed to be running and stuff like that. They they canned those. Yeah, I mean you have to have you have to have a standard. Otherwise, it starts becoming like you're fucking gonna start regulating or start inputting gym lifts. Like you have to be like, is there a Fed? Was there a Fed? Was this sanctioned? Yeah, I, I understand. Did you follow some kind of rules that have some kind of standard? Right. If we don't, if we don't get tight, it'd be like, it'd be one of those deals where it's like, it's not against you personally or whatever, but if we don't get tight here, I shit you not, people are going to start coming up with mock meets and sending us the results. Maybe we should, <laughs> we should make the KOTLPF. Oh, fuck. Arian, you, you're going to, you're gonna... It's only one weight class and it's over 100 kilograms. Uh, Ryan, you better get bulking. Yeah. Your 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 one stop shop for online tune up meets. Oh wow, that's like called a throwback, ladies and gentlemen. That's called a throwback. Both of you guys. And did. now we're full circle. <laughs> and now it, we've come full it, circle. It'd be cool though if one day on Open Power thing that I like you know other tabs on there and let's say for example you get to 
pick, let's say a world championship, you pick IPF classic powerlifting worlds and it'll show you just like the rankings of who has the most titles or like, you know, for the weight Hell class, yeah. see the history of who won each year. And that way they can just pull it straight from the results and you can kind of see, okay, how many titles does Taylor have? How many does Ray have? That'd be cool to see. I'd be really keen to see the uh, progression of world records over time, like being able to like plot out, like this is the 93 kilo bench record and this is who had it and when it was taken off them at each, at each time. Yeah. Like a passing cool. of the baton type deal. I yeah, mean, I, I really IPF cool. has, the IPF yeah, but you can has just do that by clicking the button on the IPF page. So only for, I, only for the IPF world records, right? Like I can't go back and go like, what are the Oceania records? What are the New Zealand records done? What have the, you know, like I can't, like it'd be cool to be able to do that at all levels. Oh, you guys don't have that. Okay. I gotcha. No, no, no. I, I mean, they're bringing all the regionals onto good lift, So maybe eventually one day we'll have all the records and history on there, but it'd be cool just to see like, yeah, open IPF or open powerlifting, just see a record and see like what, how fast it's progressing. Yeah. Who's held it for the longest things like that. Yeah, that's true. A long holding one. Those are tough. Um, especially in powerlifting. Like, like 47 kilo lifters. <laughs> I was just going to say, well, that I was going to say Kimberly. <laughs> What's that? What was Kimberly? I was going to say Kimberly. I mean, some of those deadlift records and, and, to and total she was holding for a while. How long, how long has she been? I mean, they're all from what, 2012. So none of the raw ones are very long. Uh, that's, that's pretty long for powerlifting considering with some records, like come and go in some weight classes, super quick. Um, I mean, some of them come and go like within 60 seconds, right? Well, that's <laughs> true. That's true too. <laughs> 60 seconds gone in 60 seconds. Love. Um, yeah. Talk to the, my man's calf. We held it for like, 60 <laughs> seconds and then he got home, got trolled and his, his boys who aren't like, um, like powerlifting dudes got him a mug and it said Guinness world record at the front and it like calf. We, Hochiyami and it's all like nice on the front and he's like fuck man thanks guys and then he turns the mug around and says the date and then it says the time <laughs> and it's like 60 seconds and he's like you guys are a bunch of fucking bricks he's <laughs> like like that's what your boys do friends give you the front of the mug but if it's coming from your boys you turn that mug over and you better hope it's there if it's not you're disappointed almost that's funny yeah <laughs> but he had it but he had it for a couple seconds there. Well, longest, longest standing record, Bill. Men's equipped 59 kilo deadlift, world <laughs> standard, January 2011. Who's world standard? Yeah, I mean, same thing, the 120 um, squat, right? It's still 430. Yep, 430, world yeah. standard. <laughs> but if, if, but if it's, uh, been, it's been hit and then they bombed on the bench press or deadlift or whatever, remember? And, um, and if Semenenko just went up because he's done 445.5. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Him or, uh, yeah. Semenenko or, uh, Rubitz could <laughs> smash it in the one twenties, but uh, Billiken. Yeah. So, so literally there's still the standard for the, um, since the new weight, new weight classes came in, there's still one of the standards or two of the standards left in the equipped lifting. And it's actually been hit before, but then the guy ended up bombing. On the bench oh my so God, man. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, you got to take some, unless, I was going to say, even if you had to do like really, really lower your opener and just make sure you get it. Oh, but and the shirt's the, different, right? I, I mean, was about to say, if it's equipped, it's, yeah. Yeah. And plus you have to get, you know, there's a rule, right? We has to be a bona fide, bona fide attempt, attempt, right? Yeah. So. Sorry, tell me that one. Oh, you 
don't get to hold a record unless you make a total and you make a bona fide attempts and all of the other disciplines. So you can't have people go in and completely sandbag um, the your other attempts. You know, you can't squat a world record and then like bench 25 kilos and deadlift 25 kilos. Um, would there is a case... Uh, bonafide just means like a like a proper attempt um, uh, what would they what would they classify that though there's no there's no there's no further information about it and so like i've, I've heard some people like be like oh it means you need to hit at least 70 percent of your best lift ever and i'm like the, the fuck where did that rule come from like it just it just says you have to make a proper attempt um and that's sort of up to referee discretion whether you're making proper attempts or not really so so my whole thing is like if you're gonna try and let's say you're gonna try to break the bench record right you go in, you hit your first two squats, and then just miss the third one on purpose. So you can say, I tried and missed it. You can't tell me that I didn't try, right? Uh, like, you you could definitely do that. But, like, but there's plenty of people who go to meets and, and hit RPE8s, right? And, like, is that a bona fide attempt? I would say that, yeah, like, you, yeah. like, RPE8 is actually trying. It's not balls to the wall hard but it's just sure as shit not easy either right like you actually right. have to have to try to make it happen um is that a bona fide attempt like uh, i don't know i would have to look i would have to look into this more i was trying to look it up as far as i always remember rory the bona fide attempt rule was only for bench press so that the benchers can't come in and squat 25 kilos only for 25 bench press and go for the bench the, the bench three lift which is why like in finland i believe it was Frederick Smolter came and did like a 175 squat and then tried to go for the record bench and like a 175 deadlift. And I think that was where uh, the guy from Algeria ended up beating him anyways in the next flight. So he had the record for like <laughs> one flight and, and lost it. Um, oh, interesting. I, I don't, I don't think it applies for squat and deadlift, but the, the thing is it's always ambiguous. So some people will say, Oh, one times body weight or maybe like one and a half times body weight. And that's why he did the 175. Um, that, but there's no the, actual definition for it and so yeah because like, the, other, the other thing is what if you're injured we had a guy from yeah. um from canada uh leon brown break the bench record i think and then he was back was hurt and so they're like oh what's the least amount he can deadlift to still be considered bona fide if he's injured and i think they they said one times body weight so he did 105 kilos i think and called it a day this is yeah. this is for even in the classic in the like in what situations this is if you want to hold the record um, and Arian is saying that it's bench only. So if you want to take the bench, the three lift bench record, you have to make a bona fide squat and deadlift attempt. I thought it was all of them, but but Arian's looking at the moment. And he, he gotcha. This is only. classic and equipped. Yep. But I always saw it. I always thought it was for the bench record because you know you have the bench single lift. Yeah. But then you have the bench full power, and I don't want all the single lift people coming in and just doing twenty five kilos on squat and deadlift and taking the full power bench. They want you to actually be trying That's out that. the competition. This is interesting. Like, yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Ray. Uh, like, like it's supposed to be that you don't send people for the sole purpose of taking the bench record, and that's it. Gotcha. Like that's 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 what they're trying to avoid. Because you could get bench specialists who just fuck up powerlifting records, and powerlift yeah. three lifters will be like, "Well, thanks, douchebag." But on the same time, if a bona fide deadlift is one point five times your body weight, that's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's not bona fide. I, I, I wonder if I wonder if they explain it more in depth without the word somewhere else, Roy. But for example, where I'm seeing it says single lift bench records made in a three lift competition do not need to be accompanied by a total, but bona fide attempt must be made both on squat and deadlift. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm seeing that as well. Yeah, right. So, you, so you can bomb in the squat at Worlds, 
and still set the single left single lift bench record. What? Even though you don't, you don't have a total. Yeah. So like, just yeah. like you can win, like, you can win awards. Yeah. You have to try. But wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. Time out. So you've been announcing for how long now? And you don't know any of these rules. So if you bomb squats, <laughs> you could break a world record bench. If you get bench the only, only the single lift bench record. No, no. You can't take the only three the bench lift bench only. record. Yeah. Oh, okay. 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 And, and same thing with the medal. Same thing with the medals. Like you can bomb on squat and still win the gold medal on bench and deadlift. But it is saying, but it is saying you have to make a bona fide attempt. So I can't bomb on squats by timing out three times in a row, and then be like, "Cool, now I'm going to get the, the bench only record, and I've had an extra 45 minutes to like chill out and and, and recomp." Like I actually, Ooh, have to I try like squat. that. <laughs> I like that idea. That's a good one. I don't think I've ever. I mean, this is not something you would even. Kevin Yeager did it. At uh, yeah, World Championships, in a in a in a, it was either European meet or one of those, or at least he attempted the world record in an equipped bench, um, where he bombed on squat like he normally does, and then he went up to the um, the benches and he had, he either he attempted or he made the world record um, bench at the time. I don't even know how I feel about that. Ryan, are you a referee? No. Personally, I don't care too much about the records. I would not care if like Daiki Kodama came and just did 25 kilos on squat and delf and took the bench record. It's a bench record. Whoever's the best bencher, come and take it. But the, there's yes and no, right? There's but that's why there's two different records, right? It's, there's not a squat only record or a deadlift only record. Yeah. There's a bench only record for a reason. But you can you can cheat your way around it, just like you know people say, oh well. If someone, you know, breaks the equip record raw and they're like, oh, well, you know, they didn't they didn't get in a suit beforehand before the bench record, a Delph record, but they can enter an equip competition, just lift raw anyways in the, in, on squat and steal the record. Right. There's always there's always ways around it. <laughs> I would rather have the records be as high as possible to make the sport look as good as possible. Not have a world standard in there for. <laughs> and 10 years almost <laughs> I'm not because because sergey has done 275 at a raw meet before but he has trouble at some meets because of his uh, grip the thing so, is the, it, you turn that three lift into a bench only when you bomb on squats but you could still take a record you've essentially changed that you've still that you've still accomplished doing what they're trying to make you not do is change that three lift into a bench only. You still accomplish that. That's why I don't sure if I like this. I would take out single list, less records. I honestly like like to the point of as a commentator at the IPF World Championships, I've never seen this kind of thing have to like come up where this is a storyline that I would ever have to look into, or this isn't even. I've never commentated. I'm not a big into a bench only guy. I don't go to the bench onlys. And I don't really follow the records too much. Like I'll do it here and there, but like uh, obviously for sure, some of the bigger ones, but um, I'm definitely focusing on the three lift and it's not something you'll see often. Like we're, we probably won't see any of this in Sweden. Didn't see it last Sweden. Don't, you just don't come across it very often, but now it's coming across to my attention. I haven't seen it happen. I don't know how often or prevalent this is anyway. So maybe it's not even an issue to even talk about, but now that I know, it's like, I'm not sure how I feel about that. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot of work to get a record, which is like ultimately going to disappear very quickly, right? Like say, say you want to take the single lift bench press record 
and for some reason you want to do that in a three lift meet like instead of doing it at a bench only meet and so you have to go to an international meet you can't do it at your at your nationals you have to qualify to go to worlds um hopefully you're allowed to travel to worlds and it's not a pandemic and and there's not like weird political bs going on so you travel to worlds you like purposely bomb on your squats like and you do that on purpose so that you can spend more time preparing to bench press you get an extra 45 minutes to rest but you also have to do at least one fake squat attempt in there um and then you and then you break the bench only world record not the three lift bench record the bench only world record and then you make a, a, a bona fide deadlift attempt and, and maybe bomb on that as well when you could have just done a bench only meet to begin with at all and like you lose 40 minutes or 30 minutes or something but but you don't have to qualify for three lift worlds. You don't have to travel to three lift worlds. You don't have to bomb at three lift worlds. It like, and it wasn't like a it bench only. Happen. It's I don't know. It wasn't a bench only. It's a bench only record, but it's a three lift competition. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I don't. Know. It's like it's a. If you're going for the sole purpose of breaking the bench only world record, like it is a lot of work, a lot of like a lot of hurdles to go through to do that. Which is probably why people aren't like, ha, I'm going to get around all of these rules, right? Like there's there's nothing to be gained by breaking all of these rules or, or finding ways around all of these rules, except thirty minutes to rest and recover. I guess maybe. It's a bizarre. Uh, I've, I've, yeah. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> Have you guys, uh, yeah, whatever. It is what it is. You guys are into the bench only too. Do you do, you do often equip there, Rory? Uh, I've done one equip bench only, mate. Okay. Yeah. How about you, Ryan? Do it again. No, I've never done equip before in my life. We're going to have to get you in a shirt one day. That's Skirt. never going to fucking happen. Bench shirts are a lot of fun, man. Dog, I hate them. I've tried one on just for fucking around. I was like, there's no way I'm going to put a bar in my hand. And then I saw someone trying to use one and he almost did a skull crusher with his bench press weight. And I mean, like, but the, you don't want to go to like the extreme shirt who put you in something loose and easy. No, I mean, have dog. you used like a, have you used like a, a slingshot or a bench daddy or anything? No, man. I actually, I tried a, I tried a slingshot actually once and I absolutely hated it. I couldn't get it down. I was like, I, I don't know how the hell I'm going to make this work. <laughs> I just can't. Try my fireman. We'll put you in my super cat. Like next time the four of us are hanging out in real life, we'll, we'll put you in my super cat. That is we'll like the, the last thing I want to do if we're just hanging out having beers. It's like, let me try on a bench shirt and let's fuck around. Let's just be normal, drink beers and talk about the be last we saw. Let's just be normal dudes once. I don't know if we've ever done that. We have never done that. <laughs> exactly. We, I think when we all finally hang out, we won't know what to do. So we will do some dumb shit like that. <laughs> well, to be fair, the, you know, me, Arian and Ryan did hang out last year and That's Rory true. just didn't show up. So, or two years ago, That's he was true. too cool for school. That's he had to do his, his debriefing with his uh, New Zealand team. I was going to say New Zealand team was very clicky. They stay with each other. Yeah. Okay. You guys didn't invite me. That's the uh, that's the real story here. Mm. I I just met Bill that the, uh, the mean girls click over here, and then uh, you know. I, oh, I just... met Ryan, Ryan. I met you five years before that, but yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like you know, 2016, like, 2017, 2018, 2019. But yeah, no, but I mean, like we You're we right. just started talking that week because you got a. No, no. How did you get? We because we were talking on Facebook Messenger, and then you were like, "Hey, where you at? We're over here." If you want to come out for beers, like when do we start actually doing that? It was Sweden, but how did that yeah, happen? I just, I don't know. I think I just slid into your DMs and invited you out, bud. <laughs> I think that's all it took. <laughs> because, 
because yeah like we'd seen each other at worlds but like i mean like hey man know. we're just we're hanging out over here you know we just <laughs> like, what happened was <laughs> So, you're no, not no, gonna lose I, you're not gonna lose when you set up the whole uh the whole after banquet party at one of the bars we've been going to that week yeah. and then we just kind of started inviting everybody over and i was like oh you invite that fucking idiot that talks a lot over <laughs> and then after you invited arian you invited me and <laughs> bill do you remember how we met me and you yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, I remember, I remember, I don't remember you at all, but I, I know the story that you're talking about when I was, when I was handling Ray Williams in Orlando. Yeah. So I'm handling Ray Williams at his first nationals in Orlando and um, 2013, you know, 2013 Orlando. And basically I'm back there with one of my other buddies who just competed in the session before. So he's like, not really helping me because he's like getting changed and then we're trying to like check out of the hotel also because the last session of the week and all this stuff and like i'm also like handling ray and also his cousin or brother or whoever he was with and they were sharing knee sleeves so i had to take off from one put it on the other one each back and forth during attempts and warm-ups and stuff anyway so ray's last warm-up is what 380 kilos or something like that whatever and i'm like uh, hey you can you help can you spot real quick and Aaron's like Ooh, you know like basically so like, yeah right that- so I watched I watched his depth and I guess Aaron was one of the guys I grabbed the spot because I had nobody else there to help and um yeah we went to be Blaine you know no big deal but, you know it's a good day what year was this 2013. 2013 race first nationals holy shit. This first time I meet Bill is some guy tapping me hey can you help spot these last warm-up and it's like yeah, like 375, 385 kilos. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I hope I don't die. And then I was hand, I was handing a lifter now, obviously watching race lifts too. And I saw um, I think his cousin was his name was Will. And Will yeah. would actually take off his squat shoe, take off his knee sleeve, but Ray didn't want to take off his shoes. So they would just put it over his shoe onto his knee and then take it off and put it back on and go back. Yeah, and so forth. one of my lifters, Corey from Texas. And I was like, dude, can you help me out and just put these knee sleeves? So literally you're taking them off and putting them back on. And luckily, they were like three squatters apart. It was like the craziest thing. Craziest that was, thing. That was when uh when when Ray dumped uh, it was like nine hundred and four pounds when it converted to over yeah. his head, and he dumped <laughs> it on his third, and and like it dented the rack, and he like fell back, and he's like fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he's like fuck. Well, that summed that summed that up nicely, didn't it? One word. Uh, How did you guys? Remember- Go ahead. Yeah, I just remember I was like, okay, so like warm ups. I was talking to him the week before the meet, like, okay, what warm ups you want to do, whatever. And he's like, I don't know. I usually start with like four oh five. I'm like, oh Jesus Christ, okay, yeah, it's about right when you're a nine hundred pound squatter. You start with you know four oh five. That's pretty normal. (laughs) That's as light as it gets. Insane. Do you do you remember his attempts from like his first local meet? What is it like eight fifty nine hundred nine fifty or something like that? I think it was. It was because um, he had, didn't have enough weights in the gym back home, so he never got on heavy before. So he did like he went through 700, 800, 900. When they got to like 900, they couldn't fit exactly 900 with all the change plates on there. It's like, well, we can give you 905. It's like, all right, but on 905. Yeah, right. like <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, whatever. Yeah, and he smashed that, and then like missed the rack commander. Jumped the rack like commander, something. Yeah. <laughs> Tales guy. of Ray Williams. That's funny. How did you guys meet Rory? I remember how I, how I met Arian, actually. Um, this was in 2017 in Belarus. And by some like 
quirk of timing, I ended up being the uh, coach for the Singapore team, the Singapore junior men's team in 2017. Um, and, and I had a, had a lifter going for, I think he was going for like a deadlift record or something. And one of the uh, drug testing people had already decided that Arian's lifter was going to get tested that day, even though the meet hadn't been over yet. There's still like two or three deadlifts to go. And this person was like following the lifter and Arian like about this far away and just like, like follow. <laughs> do, you, do you remember this Arian? And like following around with a clipboard and you, you were like, you know, like <laughs> give us some space, please. And I'm, I'm sitting like two seats over or whatever, just like watching this person stare like super intently at this like junior or sub junior 59 kilo man. Um, just like. Well, Matt's probably. Yeah, yeah I, th- I think it was Cole Metz, actually. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, what, what, did you pick up like an extra handler or something today? Like, how did this happen? So that's that was the first time that I met Arian. And I don't remember the first time I met Bill. Probably in, we... in Canada, right? Yeah, or Belarus or one I, of those. Yeah. I was going to say maybe Belarus. I don't remember that story, but I remember like you and Angus coming over and like saying hi to us and stuff like that because like you always knew the U.S. coaches. And yeah, stuff. I always thought you were Angus's little brother, to be honest with you. When I, when we, get I that a, we get that a lot. Hundred, but, no, uh, dead, yeah. dead truth, dead truth, yeah. yeah. It's like, you look like Angus. Tall man, big Fuck, man. man. <laughs> you kind of do. For, for reference, I'm actually not sure. Um, Angus is just like... He's 6'5". Look like his yeah. little brother. That's all. Just like just like two meters tall. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because you're. Uh, I had Angus on the podcast. He's six five. You're six foot, right? Yeah. So yeah, you very normal height. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think that's fucking monstrously tall, six foot. But <laughs> 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 but I'm in the powerlifting world. You're an absolute juggernaut <laughs> in powerlifting. Six foot <laughs> freak. Squat rack height nineteen, which is uh, disgusting. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. That's kind of low. On a ER or Elico or Leco? Elico. Oh, I'm not sure what I have there. What would um, Angus's squat rack be? 22. Does he squat? Let's be honest. Just be honest. It's fine. He three lifts. Yeah, he's he's squatted 250 or something. Like he's he's, uh, 250 kilos. Like he's he's decent. Yeah, especially for a guy like that. we have people, his levers do not favor powerlifting. I used to watch like Olympic Taekwondo when he's like, I used to do Olympic Taekwondo. And I'm like, um, yeah, no, I can picture that, dude. You were exactly the prototypical tall, lean, athletic. That is exactly what they look like when you watch Olympic Taekwondo. And then he goes, then I got into powerlifting. And it's like, well, this is, you are the exact opposite of Brett Gibbs. <laughs> you are, you couldn't have found a worse sport for like your levers, but he's like, but I loved it. So he's like, 100%. Like, in that's what I always of, thought. I thought it was Angus and then Rory. And then Brett was the little brother. Is that what I was? It's going like steadily getting compressed. Right. It's like those uh those eggs that they get bigger and bigger. Oh yeah, yeah. Nesting dolls. Yeah, exactly. Nice. But, uh, oh, yeah. When I see eggs, I'm like, there's bread in there somewhere. There's bread and Rory here in there somewhere. I'll giggle with myself. Um, but uh yeah, anyways. He, he chose, he couldn't have went from one sport, but anyways, you find the sport and he's like, I don't even care, man. I love powerlifting. It is what it is. I left, uh, I left one sport where I had all the physical advantages and people like, fuck, I wish I had that went into a sport where people like that's poor son of a bitch. <laughs> what are you doing here? Why are you? He's like, I don't know what it is, but I like shifting weights. I'm going to keep doing it. You got to appreciate somebody who's like 
the leave like where you know they're just in it for the love of the game. This guy should be playing basketball or something. But he's like, nah, man, it's it's powerlifting or nothing. Uh, you fall in love with what you fall in love with, right? Like, right. And you like lifting weights? Cool. Guess guess we're lifting weights now. Right. And for a guy though with those levers to be shifting 250 is 250 kilo isn't bad at all, man. That's uh here's what I say. You got those levers or whatever, you fall in love with lifting weights, that's great. Then you train for a sport. sassy bill this is late night tired sassy bill like that that's great bill hasn't slept in a month this filter's just gone you like you like lifting weights that's great use it to train for a sport though a real scholarship a real real sport a real sport this is training what are we doing we're training because we're we're short and stocky what are you doing here because I don't like running, and this is one of the only sports I don't have to run. That's right. That's exactly it. Yeah. God bless, fellas. We're actually getting close to one o'clock in the morning, Eastern Standard Time. Um, and Bill has Bill hasn't slept in a month. He just had an energy drink, so I don't think he's going to sleep. Oh, trust me, I'll go to sleep right away. But except I'll be ch- I'm changing a diaper in about forty-five minutes anyway. So, fuck my life. I got to work tomorrow, anyways is what it is um you guys want to give any kind of sign off here we should definitely say no, no. <laughs> not at all no one's listening past this point so there's no reason for us to give any sign we're coming up on four hours the yeah. only people listening are us but be careful because it's around then when you start getting loose they get nobody's listening anymore and that's that's <laughs> that, the shit that's- then someone transcribes the episode and uses the fine function. <laughs> They're like, what the? This is where we start like naming names and then, you know, control F. <laughs> <laughs> or somebody's got a big road trip or somebody's moving. Somebody's cleaning around the house and left this on. And they're like, oh my God, have you guys ever gone to like three and a half hours plus on King of the Podcast? Because <laughs> things get loose. <laughs> that podcast changes quickly. <laughs> um, yeah, it is what it is. All right, fellas, should we cut it there? What do you think? Seems yeah, do another three hours. Why not? Want to do another three? Let's keep pushing until Bill's kid wakes up. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. We're much, not. yeah, no, we're not doing another three. <laughs> um, much appreciated, gentlemen. I can't believe we came in here all full of piss of vinegar to the tune of The Boys Are Back with that song. And um, if I had it queued up, I'd play it for our outro. But uh, until next time, much appreciated, guys. We'll keep in touch because we got some other podcasts planned. Peace. See ya.